Welcome to Afroability, a conversation about African business and technology. Today we're going to talk about Gigi, the African Classifieds and Marketplace platform. We'll explore the Gigi story across six areas. One, classified startups and other emerging markets. Two, classified startups in Africa. Three, Gigi's early history. Four, Gigi's product monetization strategy. Fifth, Gigi's competitive position potential exit options. And then fifth, we'll end with our overall outlook. This episode was recorded on May 15, 2022. How goes it? I'm good, man. Do you do you, you, ready? Do you want do you want a name? Do you want like old money? Do you want like <laughs> Okay, like, so the sounds, funny it thing. It sounds is... like OP. Do you like old money? You don't like old money. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a criminal, like a fugitive. Ah, so how are you? Olumde, you don't know lie. You don't know like, old funds, old loop funds. Anyways. I've, okay, so how, how how are you? How's life? I'm good. Um a bit exhausted. Mm. You know, from work, partying from, all night. I don't live the life you think I live. Um <laughs> I, I, hell, I don't. I don't live the life I think I live. Uh, <laughs> Very philosophical. Yeah, exactly. Gigi, classified platform that connects buyers and sellers to exchange goods and services. Yeah, you can list or search across the entire spectrum of goods and services, fashion, electronics, and mm-hmm. even animals. Did you know you can buy uh, animals on Gigi.ng? Animals as pets or to eat. F- f- for the audience that lives in US or Europe, they're sort of like Craigslist. They're also a little bit like eBay, but much more like Craigslist. So you have a person that wants to sell something, they put on the website. A person that wants to buy something, they they search on the website. And then the website connects both parties. And then they meet offline, they complete the transaction. They offer a wide variety of things, but most notably cars, homes, mobile phones, and job vacancies. Those four seem to be the biggest in terms of um, yeah. in terms of revenue and popularity on the sites. Yeah, and animals. <laughs> and animals okay so they were they were launched all the way back in 2014 so they're, they're one of the ogs they're one of the last surviving classifieds businesses um in nigeria so we'll talk about that um oh, they, they operate as a whole right yes exactly even in africa as a whole uh they operate in nigeria kenya ghana uganda and tanzania so basically uh west and east africa and they've raised about 50 million dollars in eight years which is quite a lot for africa tech level so yeah. biggish company oldish be a fun conversation about them today yeah, and, and part of the reason why we're talking about it is similar to Jumia with Conga and Naspers, is it sort of being this other beneficiary that continues to operate in markets where mm. Naspers has explicitly pulled out of? Is it a good business or what is the prevailing reason why that's happening? Yes, we can explore the theme of e-commerce <laughs> slash marketplace slash classifies and all those different business models because there was a time when these business models were more popular in 2014 2015 2016 they became less popular 2018 2019 2020 mm-hmm. now there's neither popular nor nor unpopular just in the middle they're like meh so we'll go through that and in fact we, we, we're going to do a trilogy of episodes we'll do gg today olx in two weeks and then conga in four weeks and we'll go through th- that whole thing so that is it for today okay so psa's public service announcements first founders operators we'd love to uh hear from you email us info we got a bunch of great um, emails actually over the past couple of weeks. Investors, same email us info at Everyone go to our, our website. There's a white button where you, you can join our mailing group. We send emails two to three weeks. It's fun supplementary stuff, which adds a little bit of flavor to the podcast. So biases, biases for GG, J-I-J-I, GG. That's it. I'm very neutral about this. I oh, zero. wow. You've never been neutral before. No, because I'm not a big user of classifieds in general. Um, oh, right. You don't, you don't use... Uh, Craigslist? Yeah. No. What Maybe back use, in the day? What I, use, I oh, mean, wow. yeah. I mean, yeah. When I was in um, in, in grad school. school. Yeah. Right. In Nigeria. You use, um, <laughs> it was funny. What did I do when I was in University of Lagos? I don't know. To, to get, to, it depends on what kind of stuff were you trying to get. If yeah. you're trying to get 
let's see, we said the most popular for cars, homes, mobile phones. Mobile phones, you just go to an electronic store, I guess. No, no, but... Yaba, you, right? Yaba. Yeah, you go, no, no, yeah, Computer Village. If you're... If okay, you're, Computer Village, Ikeja. Yeah, many years ago. So the, basically, you would just know somebody. It's kind of weird. There will always be those people that would be like, oh, talk to Luis. Luis so inefficient, basically. Inefficient yeah, marketplace, inefficient which is exactly... So they're trying phone, to centralize this. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was... A lot of that peer-to-peer trading was happening. You know, like, oh, mm. you know... Olu wants to sell his, you know, N63 or E63 Nokia. And then you find, no, guy, I won't buy E64. You know, you find somebody who has That's super. Okay, so you have no biases. Are you for I don't real? have any, I'm, I'm not, ne- I'm, not leg- I'm not largely positive and you negative. Don't? I'm objective. Okay. Maybe if any biases at all would be around like um, OLX and, okay. and um, their business models as it relates to Naspers. But I'm thinking okay. I'm, pretty, okay. I'm pretty super objective here. I'm Spock. Okay. Okay. Huh. All right. So my my biases. I think if you've listened to our take a lot episodes or our dreamy episodes, basically in general, I don't like e-commerce businesses. So negative. Um. But I guess classifieds businesses are different than e-commerce businesses. So I guess maybe my negativity will be a little bit different today because I think they don't have the biggest disadvantage of e-commerce businesses. They don't hold inventory risk. Um, because typically classifieds business, they don't have first party sales. They're just a marketplace that connects two parties. On the, on the other hand, they do have a disadvantage compared to e-commerce businesses in that they tend to have a lot of off-network transactions, which means they're not in the payment flow. They're not part of the transaction flow, which means they lose some optionality to add services on later because they're not part of the financial flow. But overall, I think I'll be closer to neutral, definitely not as negative as e-commerce businesses. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Another thing that will make me slightly more positive is I think I have a bias for companies with staying power. Like they've been around since 2014 with the same executive team grinding and grinding. And I just feel that if you look at some of the M&A deals they made, we'll talk about that later. They've been able to hustle, find companies to acquire, raise a little bit of money. I just, I just like that. It sort of reminds me of when I was a kid, I used to watch WWF. And now WWE is like something called Royal Rumble. Like you have all these uh, wrestlers in a ring. Eventually there's like one person. I just, I like that. It makes me more positive. It's just, man, this e-commerce shit. Not a fan. So overall, I think slightly positive because they're not an e-commerce business, just to be clear. But there is some overlap of the business model. So yeah, a little bit negative, a little bit positive. I think I'll net out slightly positive, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Let's see. That's imp- that's actually impressive that they have, to your point, they've come and stayed in the market. And they've yes. basically everybody, so so to speak, smart money has exited and been like, yeah, right. not doing this, not worth my time. And they're like, no, yeah, take it. We'll take yours. We'll take yours. And we'll take yours too. We'll take yours. Right. You know, we're a willing buyer for everything else. They, they tried. Um, and you'll see as the story evolves, not only did they actually stay, they made some smart acquisitions for lower prices. They did some international expansion. They did some vertical. They, they've done a few things. We'll go through the whole story. But yeah, overall, those are my biases. Backgrounds on classified. So before the internet became a thing, classifieds were sort of like ads in print media. So you have a newspaper or a magazine, for example, and then sellers would pay the newspaper or they would pay the magazine to put an ad in the newspaper or magazine. So that was the way classifieds were. Then the internet came about mid-90s, obviously. And then some sites, most notably Craigslist, they became full classified platforms, which meant they, the whole site was just classifieds. They ditched the newspaper part of the business, just classifieds. Yeah. Um, and classifieds right from the get-go, if you look at the Craigslist example, because Craigslist was one of the biggest, they always had a wide variety of services. So they were very, very quote-unquote horizontal. And there weren't that many that specialized initially in the initial batch. Um, but one of the key things, in the initial creation of classified platforms where, like I said earlier, a lot of off-network transactions. And that contrasts with something like, let's say, Uber Lyft, where you're very, very likely to pay the Uber Lyft driver on the app, through the app, in the payment flow. Versus here, a lot of the transactions occurred elsewhere, basically in real life IRL. The the paper part is the most interesting because as I thought through even classifieds in Africa, I was like, yeah, we've had this paper classified. And yep. I think the evening standard in London is like a free paper. 
um, it's typically just classifies in the, they exactly. optimize distribution, ads. distribution to sell the ads in that paper. And they, they sell the ads and use that to fund the paper that they give to you for free uh, as, an, as yeah. a consumer target for them. It was actually a breakthrough business model when it first of all happened, because basically if we think about, if we think about the way newspapers were, they used to charge and then they became some free ones and it offered an alternative monetization model, um, which is like, I sort of think about that the way some startups are now. Yeah, business model is important, but the way you make money may actually give you a new entry into the market. Yeah, It's almost in the middle, so, right? Because on one hand, newspapers started off by telling you the news and you pay for it and then telling the news yeah. and they put some ads. It's like, no, why don't I just mm-hmm. put a lot of ads and charge nothing to the user? Instead of taking like mm-hmm. a, a, a hybrid business model to one extreme, which is completely yes. free to the user, completely expensive to the advertisers. So the, the example of Evening Standard in UK, like when they became free, they doubled their circulation. So the, you would hope that the increase in advertising um, would offset whatever they were getting from actually selling the paper. Correct. The, the analogy I want to give is, remember on our health tech episode, we kept on saying health is important to Africa, but a lot of users, customers, patients, they're not able to pay because they have lower income. So how, how can we get someone else to pay such that they still get the benefits? So, so this is that the readers are not paying, but they're getting the benefits because the seller is paying to be yeah. an ad in the newspaper. So there's, there's an analogy for healthcare, but uh, listen to our healthcare episode if you want to hear more about that. So I'm going to talk about classified <laughs> platforms and other emerging markets. Then thank you. Talk about classified platforms in Africa. Then we'll start finally, finally, finally with the GG story. So context: when I say classified businesses in other parts of the world, it's really going to be primarily about OLX outside of Africa. We're going to focus on OLX a little bit today. We'll talk about about them a lot more in two weeks. The reason we're focusing on OLX is because OLX is one of the biggest classifieds players outside of Africa. Okay, so I'm going to talk now about OLX outside of Africa. And I think uh, here's some context of OLX. Very, very interesting company. We're going to talk about them in two weeks. So here's a little bit of a a teaser. Founded in 2006, eventually they were um, bought out by NASPERS, aka Process, in 2010, so four years after their their founding, and it was a full buyout. Basically, NASPERS ended up owning 95% of the company. They basically completely own it. Um, And NASPERS, context for people who don't know, please listen to afrobleed.com slash NASPERS, episode five. It's a South African conglomerate, aka investment group, and we spoke a a lot about them previously. Anyway, so OLX is now in 40-ish countries, so they're in a lot of countries, but most notably, they tend to be in a lot of developing markets, developing countries. So their key countries are Brazil, India, Indonesia, Portugal, Romania, South Africa. Those are the countries OLX is in. And one thing I realized by looking at a lot of their progress over time is they've expanded to a lot of countries through acquisitions. So their typical strategy is they almost seem to always want to be the big player. So they will join, acquire, do a JV, whatever it takes to be a, a big player in that market. So let's talk about some of their biggest markets. Let's do Brazil. So OLX Brazil, founded 2009, 2010. Um, eventually, they merged with another company that was owned by Adaventa, and they now had a JV, and OLX Brazil became the biggest company. So again, yeah. they found a partner. They literally gave up half of their company to join with this company, and then both of them together became the biggest company. So that's one of the playbooks you see in almost every country. And I think, yeah. I don't think, have we seen that many industries where it's so acquisitive and everyone just keeps on joining? I, have I don't not, remember. Not as, not, not as much as this. The interesting thing here about Naspers, and honestly, their competitors, there are a couple of them is, yeah, this industry is the most like acquisition heavy. Like for sure. Like OLX when it was founded, like the entire thesis was let's build a Craigslist for everybody outside of the US. Exactly, and that was the plan. The, the following year, they started acquiring. This is even before Naspers. So it's almost like the qualifies model doesn't work. Like works way better. Works good, but works way better get scale. at scale. And everybody knows you have to buy your partner. And mm. in the US, they've combined offer up and let go. Um mm. 
for which are both NASPAS holding companies. And NASPAS, mm. in different cases, they don't even have to own the whole thing. It's just been the most like acquisition-heavy tech sector. Like even more than any of the infrastructure players. Even if I look at Talos yeah. in Africa, for example, they don't merge as yeah. much. From, from a very, very simplistic perspective, I would say like businesses that are marketplaces, they tend to benefit from scale because at some point, everyone just goes to the same website. They're not going to look yeah. for second place. And then if the sellers know all the buyers are in th that marketplace, they'll go there. If the buyers know that you have some yeah. network effect, crazy loop that spins out of control. But I feel like that applies to a lot of industries. So it's interesting that this industry has so many acquisitions. But what I just said could also, like you said, yeah. it could apply to the telco industry. Problem with telco industry is like, Capex. The government's own part of it, right? So you need to get government approval. Some of the telcos are so expensive. Who's going to pay billions of dollars? So yeah, they want to acquire each other, but it tends to be slower because there's so many other parties involved. Yeah, classifieds are such an amazing business. Um, barely technology enabled, as far as tech enabled businesses go. Doesn't don't don't fall for the wow, AI and the stuff that's in there. Vicious. No, it's so easy they don't to have replicate. AI. <laughs> I did not Olumde. Olumde. Uh... Don't get me started. Anytime any company has AI, my brain immediately just thinks of one word: complete bullshit. I but anyway, keep going. Let's talk ah, about this company. Okay, um, <laughs> let's go. It's easy to replicate. <laughs> you can build. You can actually build your own classifiers website yourself using publicly available templates on WordPress today. Many people. Do oh, it. nice. There are niches nice. on the internet that that encourage people to build. Like, hey, there's a classified for build a classifier for exotic pets. Basically, some people raise mm. pets, some people sell pets. You just build a classifier. So, it's actually a Smart. business that small entrepreneurs do. You can get one, you can get a custom one built for under $50,000. Like I looked up quotes. Oh. So it's, the barrier to entry is very low. So you can maybe, um, like you can build classifiers for anything. Therefore, the logic becomes very quickly that you want to get to scale very quickly because it's a different thing if your competition is Banco and Lumde finding a developer to build a website for my mm. niche. But if you're, if you're an Asperger's and your competition is, um, I don't know, SoftBank or somebody else mm -hmm. who also has a classifies thesis, you want to get big quickly. You want to deter. Um, competition. Yes, three hundred grand. You build. You can build your own features. Everybody can build a Craigslist. Um, uh, mm. at, and at the then the hard level. part becomes boots, bootstrapping supply, or uh, basically bootstrapping. bootstrapping one side of the marketplace so the other side can come on. Yeah. Fascinating. So, and you know what you said links to why um, the OLX Brazil story became like this because at Aventa they have the same thing. They want to buy a bunch of classifieds around yeah. the world. Naspers wants to buy a bunch and both of them just said, oh, let's just do a JV, a joint venture yeah. and combine to form this OLX Brazil company with a 50-50 which became the, second, the biggest company. The second thing about it, right, is what, what makes it, given the scale and benefit of scale, it makes it, ins it can be insanely profitable, right? I was looking at these numbers <laughs> from, because you're like, why, why classifies? It's just a bunch of ads, you know? It's, you know, it mm -hmm. can be a good, healthy tech enabled business, but no, it's, I, I saw this from when Naspers bought the Avito um, for $1.2 billion or so. Oh, Avito, what country is Avito? Russia, Avito. Ah, Russia, Russia. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. I'm going to read this quote from the article. In the last six months ending September 30, Avito generated sales of, $160 million, up 30% on the year before, and up nice. 65% EBITDA margin. Um, yeah, I mean, because it's, it's a very, very asset-light business. Basically, the reasons I don't like e-commerce businesses, the reasons I like this business, all you have to do is set up a website and get two different stakeholders to come on the website. Now, obviously, there are some costs, most notably like figuring out the matching algorithm. You need to pay a bunch of engineers. You need to figure... But at the end of the day, those costs are way easier than warehousing and buying the, the stuff and storing it. So yeah. it seems to make a lot of sense. The only thing that bothers me a little bit is um, I'm... Still not sure how big these businesses are because there are not that many companies in US 
or Europe that are massive. Like the biggest okay. we would say would be eBay, but eBay isn't a classified business. eBay is different. So the biggest is Craigslist, but then Craigslist is, you know, a sort of a non-for-profit. Yeah, so I they're not that many you, massive ones. I can tell you, Craigslist made $700 million last year about that. That's nice. In the That's pandemic, nice. they made a billion dollars. Mm. Naspers, from its classified businesses globally. So Naspers, if you look at other reports, they report on classified businesses. They made $1.6 billion from their classified businesses mm. in 2021, growing 20%, 18% year on year. Um, mm. 300 million market active users, 41 markets or countries. So mm. it can be big. A $1.6 billion revenue business. Um, that's great. If you do 5 to 20x multiples, 5 billion yeah. to 20 billion, it could be that's, massive. Yeah, that's, that's big. Bigger than Square, I, bigger than like, like you get like yeah. three, 3x Robin Hood. So it was almost like this massive. <laughs> You're taking Robin Hood after just I just went and just like Robin Hood context audience. Robin Hood IPO would 40 to 50 billion. Yeah. But now they're uh, seven to eight billion. So in, in, in May, in May, in May, twenty twenty two. Maybe we'll record yes, one next year and be like, "Sorry for taking <laughs> shots." Not out of here. business. Oh uh, wow, Olympic Day. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, okay. Um, one point six billion dollars revenue from NASPAS and Classifieds, growing twenty percent year on year. That's a super healthy business. Profit, cash flow. You have to look at it. They don't give you as much details you need for just mm-hmm. that business line. But anything that generates two billion dollars in revenue over an asset light. Largely asset like business model, they have different verticals and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not nothing. Okay, all right. So w- let me let me come back to OLX Brazil, and we're going to compare some some of the numbers. So OLX Brazil, like I said, JV, two different parties. By the way, context for for you, Adventa bought eBay's classifieds business for nine billion dollars in twenty twenty. So that is the largest player now in this sector. Oh wow! Uh, because they combined with eBay, not the whole of eBay, just eBay's classified business. Okay, coming back to OLX Brazil, 2020 September, OLX Brazil bought their competitor, Zap, for $642 million. And now, with all these mergers and acquisitions and the combination, yada, 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 OLX Brazil is now by far the biggest classifieds business in Brazil. And here are the numbers, 50 million mal, 5-0 million. And for wow. the audience, mal is monthly active users. And they have about 1,500 employees. Wow. So 50 million, keep that number at the back of your mind, because we're going to do some quick math. Because Adventa is a public company, right? So we can see all the revenues. So OLX Brazil, um, they have about $140 million revenue run rate. And that's taking the $35 million quarterly uh, revenue multiplying by four. And they have $50 million now, which means, so doing some quick math, it means they get about $2.8 per active user. Mm. So interesting. This number is going to be relevant later because we're going to use it for some math. Just $2.8? $2.8. So OLX India, same story. Let's not spend a lot of time on it. Launched in 2008, they're completely controlling the market. They have like 80% of the yeah. classifieds market. They did a bunch of M&A. Let's not get into that. The um, two things to note about OLX. They have some vertical focus, which which is going to be interesting for this story. So in cars, they have 70% of market share for pre-owned car sales. So yeah. remember, the horizontal marketplace, aka horizontal classifieds business, but they do specialize in some verticals that are important to them. So in this specific vertical, pre-owned cars, OLX Autos, market share. I think it's called. Is yeah, it OLX, OLX Autos, Autos exactly. Yeah. OLX India Autos. And then OLX also has 50% market share in mobile phone sales. So mm. let me let me just summarize so so we don't get too far down all the numbers. Okay, so OLX International, the key things to note is a lot of acquisitions, right? Basically MA. They have a lot of growth and power and control and market share in some key markets, most notably Brazil and India. They tend to focus on specific verticals that are priority to them. So cars, phones, jobs. And the way we look at the revenue is going to be interesting to look at later on. 
And the key verticals they focus on are cars, real estate, electronic devices, and jobs. So that's basically the summary of OLX outside outside of Africa. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts to add before we talk about it? In no, that, I think cool, that's, right? that's well, it's super fascinating. Let's bring it back home. So classifieds in Africa and as a history, and then we'll sort of bring that into like OLX Africa, pretty much. So as we talked before, Africa was no different. Historically paper-based, but also paper-based for a longer amount of time and more spread. I don't remember the name ah. of the newspaper now. I wish somebody would remind me. But occasionally, they, we would have those. I remember even in university, we'd have those like free newspapers. It would be like one page. I would have something salacious, but then it would have like a bunch of ads on the back, on the back side. One page. One wow. page or two pages, something, it would be yeah, a free paper. Something light. Um, something yeah. light, basically, and something terrible. Like the ink would be smudged and stuff like that. Um, it's still a I'm sure it's still a measure of the classified industry. I was looking at like the gap between paper and internet. And in 2008, um, two years after OLX was founded in 2006, um, internet penetration in Africa was like 6.6%, you know? Oh, like tiny. Tiny. So like 6% of people have access to the internet. You know, you, you just don't have an internet business. You don't have a Craigslist without people having internet, without people having mobile internet. You know, yeah. Multinix was and still... And also, I bet you th- those yeah. stats are heavily skewed towards South Africa. So if oh, you yeah. take out South Africa, it would probably worse. be four, three, or two, or some yeah. weird, really bad number. Even worse. Yeah. Multilinx was still a business deal that was viable. Uh, <laughs> Multilinx in Nigeria was still a business <laughs> that was viable. So it was just like a, it's kind of like a different time. And as mm. internet penetration started to grow in Africa, um, there started to be more sites. South Africa, obviously South Africa first, because South African internet penetration has always been higher than the rest of Africa. So... They mm-hmm. had a bunch, find all the Koza, Inland Finder, Easy Ads. Mm. Um, they just had a bunch of smaller mark, smaller like classifiers that people just built websites. Again, as I said, it's not as far as complicated websites go. You need a form, I need a database that updates and refreshes on the front end. Boom. It's not a super. And, and all these ones, Banky, they were all horizontal, right? They were not super verticalized. Horizontal. Horizontal. Yeah, okay, okay. Horizontal. okay. So we offered a wide variety of things. The same yeah, stuff on, they always have. On market focus, the challenge with marketplaces, with these businesses is that you have, you don't just need density from buyer seller, you need density from a geography. Because if I'm trying right. to buy something exactly. from somebody and it's like, oh, look I, at this I, iPhone I can buy. On. And then it, <laughs> like it buy on, right? <laughs> you know, marketplace businesses in the US try to offer like shipping for that. Um, I mean, StockX mm. is what StockX does. If, on the simplest yes. basis, StockX is a marketplace for sneakers and collectibles, but... Yes. Uh, for validation, you send it to them first, and then they send it to you. But that's literally the same thing. If you separate all the sneakers and stuff from it, is they just yeah. they just manage the shipping for you, um, and they charge a the, fee the, for that. That's why that's why the business models of e-commerce slash marketplaces slash classifies they're like on a continuum because some classifies yeah. the definition will be yeah the buyer and seller they're going to figure out the transaction offline. So of course they have to be close yeah. to each other. But if you say they don't have to be close to each other and you are doing the shipping and the yeah. storage, that you basically you start to become more and more like an e-commerce company. Because yeah. at that point, you might as well just take the money as well. You might as well get in the transaction, get the payment flow, and just start to offer some stuff yourself. Yeah. It's almost like is, is Amazon's third party marketplace uh exactly. classifies That's exactly in it. that sense. Yes. Um, yes. Yes, yeah. except like, yeah, it's like a continuum. Amazon's third-party marketplace, they do the warehousing and storage. But then if you ask our friends at OLX, they have zero interest in doing any warehousing and storage. So it's sort of like, mm. yeah, th- that's why it's, you can go down a theoretical academic level and try to separate them. I just put them all in the same bucket. They're more similar than different. Yeah. And as we go into the rest of the story about how the classifies businesses make money, I think one thing to keep in the back of my mind as we go to that section is more, how does, how do these different revenue lines look like for African businesses? And does that explain why OLX decided to pull out 
um, as oh, a whole. Yeah. So yes, we've talked about classifieds in Africa before Olex, mostly paper-based, lots of websites, mm-hmm. mostly niches, geographical niches. Um, for the most part, I didn't find any vertical niches along product lines, but mostly geographic, mm-hmm. geographical because you need that density to work. Right. Now, for OLX in Africa, so this is a super interesting story, right? I can't wait. So there's two parts, right? There's a NASPERS organic part because NASPERS is OLX is NASPERS and there's a NASPERS M&A piece itself. So ah. if you remember, NASPERS is originally a newspaper business from the 50s, right? Yes. Like oh, 1910 is when they started, I think, as a newspaper business. Mm-hmm. NASPERS is is a Dutch Afrikaans term for um, acronym for a newspaper business. Mm-hmm. Um and even today, they still have a core newspaper. The only yeah. thing is that business is not so material because it doesn't make that yeah. much money. But they still have it. They still have True Love and a bunch of magazines, right? Yes. yes. So they've been intimately familiar with... <laughs> I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. It's a magazine, okay. man. Should I send a copy I, to your house? I don't have a... I, don't I will send a copy like of True Love to your house. Don't, don't think about it's it. It's a deal. It's a deal. Um, <laughs> if We should have a mailing list. If you have a copy of True Love, please send it to our mailing address. We'll take it. Okay. So Naspers has been intimately familiar with classifies advertising as a business model uh, for a long time. In April 2011, Naspers started Kalahari ads. If you remember from our Take A Lot episode, there was Take A Lot, there was Kalahari. So they started selling ads on Kalahari and they sort of, you know, built their own individual ads business, right, Hmm. Um, on, on, on Kalahari. But about the same time after they started Kalahari ads, Invested in OLX just before that. So they invested mm-hmm. in OLX, started Kalahari ads. Eight months after starting Kalahari ads, they decided to merge OLX into Kalahari ads. So they brought this mm-hmm. OLX thing outside of Africa and brought it into Kalahari. And oh, okay, so so OLX's yeah. entry into Africa was basically through through Naspers, because Naspers, Naspers knows Africa. Yeah, and Naspers I made see. their first strategic investment in in OLX in 2010. So not the full buyout, the initial stage, they did the, initial the full stage, buyout later on. I think it was yeah, 2013 yeah. or so they did the full buyout. Right, right. But 2010. Right. But around 2009, 2010, um, shout out to Coos, you know, visionary. Coos. About this time. Mm. Naspers also invested in the holding company of Property24. It used to be like a closing yes. service like as in the US, sort of for South African mm-hmm. real estate. They invested yeah, in the holding real estate. Yeah, they invested in the holding company, built out the listing business there. So they started building a bunch of vertically focused classified businesses. So 2009, 2010, 2011 is when they really started like just merging and rebranding, right? Got it. So they were going the horizontal and they were also and going, vertical. going vertical. One theme that I noticed from before and will be consistent throughout this episode mm-hmm. is there's something about housing and cars and jobs and phones. Those four subsectors tend to be recurring themes. It's either they have higher margins, higher velocity. There's something mm-hmm. about those four areas which are very common. Maybe it doesn't happen very often and therefore they're always motivated buyers and motivated sellers so you can charge them fees. Mm-hmm. Given the revenue mm-hmm. models, that's probably it. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. I want to. I'm selling a house. I'm willing to pay you three thousand rand to get my house. You know, top of like the house is three million rand. I, w- I will pay you thirty thousand rand if you can guarantee that it will, it will get sold quicker. Right. Basically, so that's a big chunk of it. So back to the merger, Kalahari merger with merger OLX, um, run rebranded, and they brought OLX. You know, and this is a quote from the from the acquisition merger. By consolidating the two businesses, we enjoy the expertise of a global classifieds business, OLX, and the hands-on mm-hmm. local knowledge of the Kalahari ads team, right? We want to show proper consumer service and high moderation, safest place for buyers makes and sense. sellers. Okay, it's, that makes sense. So 2009-2011 was sort of the thesis coming to life. They invested, mm-hmm. they merged, they, and they continue mm-hmm. to expand. And you fast forward in a bit on the story is that they continue running the business, but facing headwinds. Come February 
6th of February, 2018. I don't know why I have the exact date for this. <laughs> yeah. They, they shut down every Africa affiliate, um, for OLX. And these NASPERS. NASPERS destroyed NASPERS OLX, owned basically. OLX Group. Yes. yes. In 2019, NASPERS owned OLX Group announced it was selling its OLX horizontals in Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda to leading mm. Nigerian horizontal, gg.ng. Okay, so let me, let me see if I got this right, because this is very nuanced. So NASPERS gave up on horizontal classifieds in Africa and sold off all their Africa holdings. They were horizontal players. But, and they, they except all South OLX Africa. Brands. In 2019. Except for South Africa. Yeah, except for South I Africa. See. They sold for everything except for South Africa in 2019. I see. Right? And, you know, in a way, it's interesting because that matches what we said on the Take A Lot episode. Take A Lot never expanded outside South Africa because they felt like South Africa is big enough or growing. Yeah. So this just happened in reverse. This They tried to, tried it outside South Africa and then just ended up re- retreating. So th- there's something about the attractiveness or growth of the market, which they, uh, they didn't expect. And also, was it not to 2016 that they exited from Conga as well? So you can see yes, the, the NASPERS, NASPERS people being like two years after being like, yeah, we tried, yeah. you know, and it's not working in classifies as well as e-commerce. Yeah, so if you listen to the NASPERS episode, I was always saying, why isn't NASPERS making more investments across Africa, outside South Africa? I think they, they've tried they've a just, bit. They've been burnt. They've like been burnt. burnt. But, but, but they don't have that many data points, though. It's just Conga and OLX. So, I mean, two data... That's more data points if, than if you, you have. Them, like, that's a lot of data. Them, you know, if you ask them, they don't say it's not about data points, it's about dollars. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you mean so, data points? <laughs> We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Congo soon and then we'll see. It's a lot of money. What do you mean data points? This guy's every other thing, almost everything they've done outside of South Africa has been a mere investment. Um, Outside of South Africa in Africa, they've done some great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but so, so even more, like they sold to Gigi and it's not even clear what they sold because they still have their all X shared backend. They probably sold Mm -hmm. uh, the domain with direct privilege, to be honest, (laughs) honest, because I don't know what else you, you sell. And, Mm. um, Anecdotally, by the way, in 2012, 2013, 2014, when OLX was expanding in Nigeria and across the rest of Africa, it was part of the lexicon. Like, if you were in Nigeria at that time, it was a joke of, like, just joke of, oh, I, I, my phone got stolen. I'm going to check if it's on OLX type stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so, so what's funny about this, it's sort of like, it's a complicated transaction because it's sort of like OLX still exists today. Yeah. It's just that OLX is not in Africa. So, pre- so basically, NASPERS yeah. carved out OLX Africa and sold it. But no, NASPERS yeah. still owns OLX that's outside of Africa because they yeah. still have that brand. So it's for, for the audience, if it's a little bit confusing, that's a simplified version. They rebranded as carved GG. Out Africa. Yeah, exactly. they rebranded they as carved GG. out the Africa piece and rebranded as GG, exactly. Although it's like, it's a, it's a rebrand, but then rebrand because GG bought them. Of course, you have to rebrand yeah. when they buy you. <laughs> and the other thing that happened recently in this February of this year is they shut down their South Africa classifies business as well. Now they're completely done with. They're it. completely done with done with Africa. So they shut down oh. in seventh of February. I was surprised to find that. So they're focused to focus on property twenty four and auto trader. They are not doing. They're not in the business of horizontal classifiers in Africa right now. Interesting. Right. What do you say? Like, there's no money yeah. from that. Yes. Uh, apparently, Gigi disagrees. So that, that's the that that's one party's perspective. Um, should you should we give some of our thoughts on some of this piece, or should we yeah. leave it until we start with the Gigi story? No, I want to hear. I want to hear it now. Like, what is, do you think the point of disagreement is? I mean, my view is very very simple. Basically, they went in with some revenue and growth expectations, and it failed to meet that. They exited. Standard. There's yeah. nothing more nuanced. Yeah. Second order. It's very very yeah. simple. We expected. Same. XYZ dollars of revenue, XYZ percentage growth. It didn't hit it. And then they just left it. Standard investment Same. strategy. At scale, yeah. at scale, it's not meaningful for NASPERS. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, it's, it's especially not- because for, for, for them, remember, they can always compare, right? They see, 
OLX Brazil, OLX India, OLX Africa, they look at all the mar- markets on a spreadsheet. And if one market keeps on lagging year after year, right, which obviously is what happened, then they just left it yeah. because they have the best comparable. They're in so many other, it's not like they're, they're not comparing to America. They're comparing to like- They're comparing Sao Paulo to Lagos. You know what I mean? They're like, right. they're really, they're and making it, it's, strong, it's, it's strong, not strong bets. And it's not, it's not where, and they don't see a path where like, oh, you know, maybe they don't see a path even like, hey, if everything goes well at scale, this becomes, this excise is still not meaningful to- yeah, it's because price. of the way the revenue multiples work. If you wait 10 years and then it's big, the opportunity cost of the 10 years, you could have done 15 other. It's just, it, it typically do- doesn't work that way. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe if you ask someone from Gigi, they'll have a different perspective. The only difference is Naspers has more optionality than Gigi. So they can be much more objective. They can be like, we have this portfolio. This part isn't performing. Let's do it. Gigi has one business, right? So they'll always say, yeah. <laughs> they'll always it's say working. it's fine and wonderful. Because they, you know, if, if it doesn't work, you have nothing else to do. It doesn't work, so we'll talk about else. that later. But yeah, yeah. So, so so summary here is classifieds starts paper based, still is largely paper based. Naspers mm-hmm. and OLX, Naspers had a thesis invested, merged, combined with Kalahari ads with Ethereum themselves, and fast forward ten years um, from twenty twelve, they right. are out of Africa horizontal classifieds, and they're just focusing yes. on their property twenty four and auto trader businesses. Fascinating. Okay, so for the audience who just joined us, we're finally, finally going to get into the GG story. That was some long preamble, but it's important yeah. just to set the stage because the classifieds <clears throat> business is very, very nuanced and very, very interesting. And a bunch of dynamics we wanted to explore yeah. before we dived into GG. Okay, I'm going to start the GG story. So mm-hmm. I'm going to set the scene. So the story begins 2014 to 2016, right? And around the world, there are a lot of different things happening. Number one, Facebook acquired WhatsApp for $22 billion. Unbelievable deal. Talk about that later. Steve Ballmer stepped down from his position as CEO of Microsoft after 14 years. Sajindela became the new CEO. Remarkable. We're not going to talk about that. And this is an Africa Tech podcast. We're not going to talk about that. Apple announced they were buying Beats for $3 billion, making Dr. Dre first uh, rapper billionaire in the world. Amazing. Okay, now let's talk about the Africa piece. No one cares about that. So a bunch of stuff was happening around Africa Tech. Number one, Conga raised a Series B from a bunch of yeah. investors, most notably Shinovic and Naspers. Fascinating. Those are the fun Junior, times. Fun times. Jumia was the first ever Africa unicorn, aka Africa Internet Group, aka Africa Internet Holdings. All this stuff was happening 2014 to 2016. But for us, that's the backdrop under which Gigi was founded. So Gigi was founded by two different people, Anton and Vladimir. I'm going to talk about the founders, and then we'll come back into the founding story. So first first founder, Anton Wolianski. Okay, studied math in undergrad, Mm -hmm. very technical, immediately jumped into tech and was a member of many, many startups, most notably doing product development, product manager roles. Mm-hmm. And the startups were very, very fascinating. One of them seemed to be a job search site. So mm. basically like um, monster, monster.com, or I don't know if monster.com is still a thing. It is. And then a few, okay, it's, it's, it, maybe I think uh, people use LinkedIn for jobs these days. Anyway, okay, c- coming back on topic. He also worked at a bunch of other startups, never really had a corporate job. And then in 2014, he teamed up with Vladimir to start Gigi. So very, very fast career, like graduated yeah. a few jobs there. So not a long founder story. One thing to note about Anton before it goes to Vladimir is he's been the CEO of Gigi since the founding, since yeah. 2014. So actually he's one of the longest running CEOs, but he's so weird. We've never seen this on, on um, Afrobility before. He lives in Ukraine, runs a business from Ukraine, never lived in any African country. The closest we saw was um, Bima Health. But even yeah. the Bima Health CEO, he moved to Ghana for a while yeah. before he left. So very, very interesting, strange founding story. But anyway, that's the first founder, Anton. Any thoughts before I go to the other guy? No, I think the living in, living and working in Ukraine but running business in Africa yeah. is an interesting piece. Very, I mean, 
Is there even another person? No, it's just Bima, right? No. I mean, I mean, not half half Nigeria startup founders today live in London, right? Or San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Half today's but, but founders different. live in London. That, that's, different, I mean, that's different. Like, is it though? Is it though? <laughs> it's is different it? because because they were born in in Africa. Oh, they know the culture, and then and then, they and then that gives them like the license to run their business. I, I don't have an opinion either way. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm asking. Vicious, I'm playing devil's man. advocate. I'm playing devil's okay, okay, advocate. Okay, okay. So second founder, second founder. I'm not gonna. I'm doing devil's advocate okay. that it's not that unique. Is what I'm saying. Like it's not. It's it sounds different. Like a Nigerian person okay. that was born there, a Ghanaian person email, that was born there, and then please the email infoafbolid.com and tell them you know bankolidafbolid.com and yell at him. Okay, <laughs> second founder Vladimir. Vladimir, very similar background, also studied math and economics at the uh, Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology. So similar to Anton, who also studied math. Um, worked. His background is a little bit different. Instead of getting into tech startups like mm-hmm. Anton. He went straight into investment and finance and banking. So he did asset management for a few years, worked uh, as an investment banker for a few years, Renaissance Capital, eventually co-founded oh, nice. Genes- Genesis market, Group. Imagine Market Investment Bank. Exactly, exactly. Our friends over at RenCap. Shout out to RenCap. So eventually he co-founded Genesis Group in 2010. What is Genesis Group? It's sort of like a incubator venture building company. That So they build startups, they get a massive equity stake, they spin them out, and yeah, standard venture building shit. And this is the way they describe themselves on the website. Genesis is a co-founding company that builds global technology businesses with the best entrepreneurs in Central and Eastern Europe. We're mm. one of the most powerful technology teams in Ukraine and the Central Eastern Europe region. So, so that's it. So Genesis was founded in 2010, and then Gigi was founded in 2014. So it's probably fair to, to, to assume that Gigi was incubated in yeah. Genesis. It was spun out, and then Anton was made the CEO and then Vladimir stayed back to run the incubator and the holding yeah. company. So today, Vladimir is still on the board, but obviously he's not the CEO because Anton is the CEO. But similarly, lives in Ukraine, no yeah. time in Africa. Just very, very unique. Um, that is the founding story of the two founders. Because they were so young when they founded the company, late 20s, early 30s, the founder part is way shorter than the normal. Yeah. So the, yeah. the other the other piece of context, two things on Ukraine and the time that it was founded. So you, Ukraine obviously is a big technology hub. I think if you want to know Ukraine, like... Snapchat has major teams in Ukraine. Many tech companies have major tech teams in Ukraine. They're outsourcing software, software development side. Parts of Calendly were built in Ukraine. Like just, oh, right. a, yeah, that's what you do. You start your team. Yes. You go find some, some engineers in Eastern Europe. Ukraine is big for that. Old yeah, US, they have good technical talent. Focus on math. Yeah, math and physics. Yeah. So that's the context of Ukraine and why it's not that shocking that it's Ukraine. Second thing is that this was the heydays of e-commerce in Nigeria. This is when everybody thought, um, for good or for bad, is oh my God, I went to this city, they have no slippers, nobody's wearing shoes, they're going to sell them shoes type with e-commerce. Like, oh, everybody still buys things at you know, corner shops and stuff. We're going to give them e-commerce and it's going to change the game because all this commerce is happening and everybody's coming online. We're going to give them internet. Dreamer raised money, Conga raised money. And it's like, there's no big classified person for peer-to-peer e-commerce. So it was a believable thesis at the time and they were paying good amounts of money as income. So they were oh. hiring top talent. Right, okay. so Conga, Jumia, all these companies were having hiring. Top oh, talent. it's about Conga and Jumia. I thought it was talking about Gigi. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't know. About, I remember I mean, J- I don't Jumia know about emailed everyone in the McKinsey Lagos office. Yo, we were just saying, hey, yo, G, have you seen these numbers? <laughs> Jumia was hiring people. Jumia was hiring people from the US. <laughs> Jumia was basically having people restructure their life plans. Um, Jumia was paying crazy uh, amounts of money. Glorious past. Um, Conga and Jumia 2012, Cars 45 launched 2016, Gigi mm-hmm. in 2014. It was just it was just a fun time to be doing e-commerce in Africa, Nigeria, which I was familiar with, most familiar with, even in South Africa. What am I saying? It was just a fun time. Everybody believed that like this was Amazon, and now, given when we're recording this in May 2022, we realize that that was the biggest bull market in the history of modern finance from 2008 to 
that period that was the bang in the middle of like nothing can go wrong investing so it was a fun time it was a fun time to start a business and it was a fun time to, definitely to fundraise for a business yes so i will let me summarize the founding story so two young founders late 20s early 30s both studied math in ukraine one technical one business saw an opportunity to do something in Africa around e-commerce slash classifies. This was the heyday where everyone was raising money. Around 2014, they launched Gigi and their initial strategy, um, I think Bankley will talk more more about this. I'll just note one thing was they focused on being horizontal from day one. So it wasn't like, oh, they started with one piece. And no, it was, their initial pitch was just like, we have everything. And I guess one way they were lucky is because they're more asset light, they've been able to just survive and chug along versus Conga and Jumia, which raised a lot of money and which goes to like boom and busts. Um, and then another thing is that stuff. the initial product strategy was also weird in that they were trying to establish trust. So you actually had to log in with Facebook for ID verification. So you couldn't use a fake name. You couldn't say my name is um, whatever, Jamba Juice. Because you yeah. logged in your Facebook account, it would show your real name, which helped with the, oh, make sure there's no fraud or all these things. So two key things to note about their initial product launch strategy. But I'll pass it over yeah. to Banky to talk about talk more about their initial launch. Yeah, that was interesting because I remember trying the app um, to prepare for this. And it's like, you need to log in. You need to create an account to see the price. Um, so that's something that's, that was very different from like, I don't know, Craigslist, which lets you email on the platform, yeah. um, message right. on the platform, or you get like a dummy email and you can email or whatever. You can obscure mm-hmm. your details on, on, on Craigslist, but they just have a much more trust-based thing. Yes. I don't know what that means. I just, I haven't really been in the, in the Lagos streets for a while. So I'm not yeah. sure how people Yeah. And, and even that. what I said about Facebook, this was their initial launch strategy. I think they've now allowed their own creation of accounts, but I, I understand yeah. why they did it. Like most African countries, let's talk about Nigeria more because that was their primary country where they were in. It's a, it's a low trust society, right? So low trust yeah. society, you have to find a way to get over that hump by adding a few features that make people trust each other more. And what's a better way to make me trust each other more? It's your Facebook account. Facebook yeah. only allowed real names, so it sort of makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, but but yeah, there's there's lots of t- you know there's lots of fraud stories. You know how you know is because the fraud warnings are like right there on the website in the front, <laughs> like beside the Toyota Corolla you search for. Um, <laughs> Okay. But okay. yeah, and anything else on, on on initial product launch strategy? Before yep. we talk about the fundraising. No, that's it. Let's okay. talk about fundraising. So fundraising. they've raised they've raised a total of fifty million dollars. Not all of it is on Crunchbase, which is makes sense, especially because if it's, because if it's an incubator, right? The, the yes. All kinds of weird things happen. With different incubators have different different. You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Some incubators will own 50, 60% of your company. Yo, Broski. <laughs> to the cap table. You're like, Yo. dude, what the? You're like, what? I, what is this founder stuff you keep up. chatting about? Like, you need to. <laughs> So you don't know, like, I don't know what, what rates of terms, like incubator, incubator just threw a span in the works that mean it could be anything or the other. Right. So I didn't find any information on a seed or a series A. I mm-hmm. did find a series B where oh. they raised from, but I didn't find a number. It was like mm. three or 4 million. I couldn't find a number. They raised from mm. Red Seed, Horizon. Wait, you couldn't find the number, but it was 3 million. You found it or you didn't find no, it? No, no. If, if you math, if you do some math to figure out, ah, okay, I have the okay. series C number. I have Got a total it. number on crunch base and a total number. Right. So like, okay. I think it's 3 million, but mm-hmm. I mean, how uh, it's difficult yeah. to... Let's just say 3 to 10, something like that. Uh, man, yo, I mean, I, I, hope, he's, <laughs> well, well, I hope he has it. I hope he has cash in the bank. Um, to do this from Red Seed, Horizon Capital, Digital Spring Ventures. Um, the interesting thing about the Series B round for this investor status is that they're not really like US, they're like 
so, so Russian, yes. some former employees at DST Global, like they're right. not African investors at all. Like, and right. not African investors as to they're not African. It's not the point. It's that these companies don't even invest in African startups. Um, I right. want to get your opinion on this a bit later. Um, so Series C, $21 million in January 2020. Neuro Capital, All Rise Capital, Horizon Capital, Digital Spring Ventures, TA Ventures, Red Seed. So same investors as Series A and a bunch yeah. more to come in. And that's why they raised $21 million and got a bunch of press for that. Through all so- their... Go ahead. So, so that means the math is, if we know they raised 50 and Series A was 21, yeah. seed plus A plus B is 29, basically. That's, that's yeah. where the math works. That's, 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 and, that's and, where it goes. And, and seed is typically tiny. So A and B are probably 15, 20, 20. Yeah, exactly. So something, something like that, yeah. like 15, 20, so something in that range. So quite a lot of money at the time. But I guess I don't think the investors were looking at them in an African company, really, because the whole management team, the execs were Ukrainian. It's more like... We trust the management team, then the opportunity is an emerging market opportunity. So we can talk mm-hmm. more, more about mm-hmm. that. What are you saying? They look at what kind of company are they? I don't care about the founders being in Ukraine. Like, how are they anything but an African company? Is what I'm, what I'm puzzled Ooh, by, what you I just said. You want to have that conversation now? Want to have it now? I was going to leave it till later. No, we should absolutely have it. So, two things I want to have. One is, I absolutely okay, think they're an African company it. because all their risks are African. There's no business. Mm-hmm. The founders could be from Mars for like care, but all the entire I didn't say they were in Africa. Africa. You're arguing against yourself. I'm saying the investors perceived them, perceived the opportunity to be much more Ukrainian How? and Russian and European. How is that a Ukrainian opportunity? Okay, anyways. Okay, because, okay, let, should, should I clarify now? You want me to come yes, later with Yes, please that? clarify. Oh, okay, so if you had the exact same business mm-hmm. and you, Bankole Makondri, you were pitching mm-hmm. it, they'd be like, okay, African founder, African business. But I'm sure they're much more likely to invest in this company because most of the investors are European. So there's a bias to make them invest in this company because of the founders are European. So they added, they okay. took out some of the risks. Okay. I, yeah, moving on from that. But the second thing I wanted to spend my time on is there's there's zero <laughs> there's there's zero local investors here. And I and I of see course, that zero. every now Standard and then. Um, Same thing on that, Wave. We said it on Wave 2, zero. No, but there's, no, 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 no. Wave doesn't have zero local investors. Partech oh, is... Oh, we've had Partech at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, 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 they have Partech. Everyone no, at Partech knows. No, 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 they had Partech at Seed. They had Partech at Seed. Partech was one of the investors at Seed for Wave Mobile Money. Yeah, they had Partech at Seed in 2018. Okay, fine. Wave, wave so guys. Wave, like, they had Partech at Seed. It was Partech, Stripe, okay, and, some, uh, and Founders Fund or so that's that, good. at okay, Seed. Yeah. So they had one African company. And, and the difference is Stripe and Founders Fund... I think Founders, Founders Collective, not Founders Fund. I don't remember what is, which one it is. Mm-hmm. But they also have invested in other African companies. This is a big distinction I'm pulling out. I don't Most care that notably, Paystack. I, I don't care that the invest. I care less that the investors are African. Okay, a less charitable point of view, we say these investors don't know about the African markets they're investing in. I'm just gonna. <laughs> That is so huh. vicious. Okay, no, what's, no, no, it's not your opinion. You're saying I don't what believe other that. Would say. It's intentionally provocative. Yeah. No, no. What right, right, right. Day? Yeah. I'm, it's not, you're not saying it's your opinion. You're saying what other people would say about it. <laughs> no, Olumbe. That's really funny, man. Okay. I don't like this thing you're saying. Go I'm ahead, asking you, ahead. like, what would you say to that answer, to that point of view? That's what I'm trying to get. That's the question I've been trying to ask you for the whole time. Which is basically, how do you feel as an investor who looks at startups at a stage, but they only have been able to attract foreign money where they're predominantly like in a market that has some investors or experienced investors capital. Like Target Global is as, is as experienced as any investor in Africa, for example, mm-hmm. because they've been around yeah. for a while, they've done a bunch of deals. They have a bunch of throughput. They have good relationships, can evaluate anything. It doesn't matter that they're mm. based in Berlin or whatever. Um, mm. How do you feel about like these, like this structure? It, it's what I was saying before. Basically, if you think about uh, Genesis, right? The incubator company, mm-hmm. Genesis probably had, let's say dozens of startups. 
all those startups pitch the same investors. So investors aren't saying this is African, this is French. The investors are basically saying um, Genesis has a bunch of startups and those startups have different opportunities. So, so they're not looking at, oh, this one is African, this one is not African. As far as they're concerned, they're just looking for good opportunities. Okay. So I'm the answer you, to you... Okay, okay, I'm asking you, does it make you think about startups any differently depending on the profile of the investors or not? Um, not, not particularly, no. Interesting. I just, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'll tell you what I think, but it does make me like, I don't know. It's either like, it's a great business and why aren't you letting African investors invest and nobody's pitching you or, or it's a great business and, or it's not a great business and there's something that African investors know. That, it's because know. of the time. If they raise this business now, if they're doing this business right now, 2022 May, yeah. and they didn't have any that's African fair. investors, I'd be like, oh, that's, that's a bit fair. of a yellow flag, but they started but was- raising money. Okay, so they said they launched 2014, but the incubator was in 2010. Maybe they raised the seed 2012 to 2014. Yeah. How many people were going to give them money? And then if they, if they already got money from those initial people, by the time they raised money again, let's say 2016, just go back to it's the same closed. people. It's closed. It, it's basically yeah. because they're so early and they That's were fair. in Central Europe, they didn't bother targeting typical African investors. Just typical, just in target people that live in Europe. I mean, they do live in Ukraine, so was, which means exactly. they're going to take. This was before Zoom. Yeah. We, we, all, we had was, all we had was WebEx. <laughs> I mean, Partech was in Dakar, right? And the team was in Dakar. Right. And like Drew and right. Lincoln were in Dakar. But they don't have anyone in Ukraine, so. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, moving on. Okay. So, so. How, how, how big is Gigi? So, okay, so we've talked about local investors and why they're yes. not there. How big is Gigi? Um, I have some stats from 2018, eight, 8 mm-hmm. million monthly u- unique users, more yes. than 1 million ads live on Gigi at any time. Yes. Number one by downloads in the shopping category of Android. And I'm like, correct. Oh, I have that too. Useless stats, useless stats. Yeah. 1 yeah. million. But I also have the, the 2019 April yeah. numbers. So 2019 was 6 million and then, uh, 20 and then, yeah. And then the end of 2019, beginning of 2020 was like 8 million. And the good yeah. thing about this user stats, Banky, is they're mouths, monthly active users. They're not the bullshit registered downloads crap. This is like, for the audience, the users logged in at least once in a 30-day period. So they're actually using the app. Yeah. And and the the other thing is, even if, so if you apply the 2.8 million, 2.8 Yes, I was going to apply it. I was going to apply it. The, the next million users, you have 16, 17 so already. so we have a more recent number so 2020 february slash march they give another announcement they now have 12 million now so if you multiply it if you multiply the 2.8 it means their run rate is around 30 ish million dollars run rate but that's a <clears throat> brazilian that's a brazilian multiple so maybe you need to i did some quick math i looked at the um the gdp of brazil 1.4 trillion i looked at the gdp of all the african countries they're in and basically, you have to cut it by like half. So we don't have the exact numbers because it's private, obviously. But using the Brazil comparable, we can say uh, GG Africa has around 15 to 30 million revenue yeah. run rate, it's, it's, which is which is fascinatingly low. I actually think that may even be like an estimate. I would be hard pressed to imagine that like they're hitting those numbers, even half of those numbers per user at all. They're hitting, yeah. they're hitting a dollar fifty. Yeah. Well, MTN is hitting two. Like, I just hard pressed to see that classified. Yeah, oh, no, remember, this is per, per year. This is per, per year. And, and okay. also, Brazil is also an emerging market. Okay, so it's not year. like we don't need to cut it too far. Brazil, yeah, Brazil is not Canada, right? So, yeah, when I, when I did the math, I was thinking, hmm, 15 to $30 million bond rate. Okay-ish, but it, it, it just shows that it's hard it's hard to make money off this business is all I'll say. Because if you look at some of the press, press articles, they'll say, here's a quote. Gigi is the largest e-commerce company in Africa by GMV. GMV is more than $10 billion. You see other quotes, something, 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 $8 billion. So it's sort of like, yeah, 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 but those numbers are complete bullshit because 
the, the GMV is completely useless. Normally, you'd say, oh, they take a percentage of GMV, but they don't in this case. It's, they typically charge for the ads, which is completely independent of the GMV. GMV is only useful in the verticals where they take a transactional cut, which is yeah. only a few verticals. So it, the GMV number is completely useless in this case, unless yeah. the GMV for, let's say, something like cars where they take a cut. So interesting stats, uh, low-ish revenue, yeah. but I guess... I guess it is what it is. They are growing. I saw something that they, they have 22K installs a day. Um, useless stats. App, app, wow. <laughs> Completely useless. App installs a day. Or, or but it, it is, no? It, it is It is misleading. I don't know about useless. I think it's important to know how many installs I, a day I, you're getting. I, I've seen some of those things where they don't even like disaggregate like updates. So like I could update it and they count me again. So it's, As a new install. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's disgusting. Yeah. That's, I've seen all sorts of weird scamming. stuff. I know. Because so I, uh, I would almost even have registered users. At least registered users, I can divide it by the time they've been in existence. I mean, problem with registered users is I re- registered in 2015. <laughs> and the economy in 2022, it's awful. Um, yeah. I will say, I, will say I, did, I did register for Gigi. So shout out to Anton you, you're, you're and Vladimir. Thank me later for jacking up your numbers. Uh, if you ever listen to earnings calls of Alibaba, which I guess is in a related business, they count yearly users, which I was very amused when I listened to earnings calls. Very, very bizarre. Like literally 365 days. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should, should okay, we do, so, uh, go, go to market and geo, geo yeah, expansion? Let's, let's or do, do you want to talk more about some M&A, some M&A, M&A okay. for they did. So again. Oh, oh, so, okay. Let me talk about geo expansion then before okay, we do M&A. Okay. Okay. okay because right. it's very, very linked. So okay. Bank is going to talk about M&A in a second. Boy, you should know that the geo expansion is based on M&A. So they're in Nigeria, Ghana, uh, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, yeah. and almost all those countries is because they expanded into it. And the CEO s- said this. They asked him, hey, 2019, are you going to do more country expansion? Mm-hmm. CEO said, maybe at some point we'll consider country expansion through acquisitions. But for now, we'd like to focus on these five markets, which basically yeah. implies what bank is about to say that when they think about expanding, they almost always want to think about it through um, M&A. M&A. So in 2019, first of all, they... they well, they were there to pick up the scrap for an oil exercise. To so yes. they took the domain redirect and I don't yes. know whatever else they took, maybe upstreams uh-huh. or whatever. And they yes. took that in those markets and they bought OLX businesses in Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana. No, Kenya, Nigeria, Tanzania, Uganda, and Ghana. Yes, exactly. 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 And basically the combination they said was OLX is going to be in a lot more geos, even though they're selling out the business. And Gigi is going to have a better tech stack. So the combination of both companies, one is in a lot of company countries, one has a better tech stack. The combined company, aka Gigi, will now be in more countries with a better tech stack. And one thing I thought was fascinating was they basically consolidated a lot of the back-end staff. So the entire marketing yeah. team just became uh, Gigi's marketing team and so on and so forth. So it seemed like a 50-50 acquisition, but not really. Gigi completely bought them and then reanalyzed them and, yeah. and, and combined them. So fascinating. Exactly. I really like, I like M&A as a way for Geo expansion. It sort of mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, and also because it's one back-end, right? So it's almost like right. you can absorb, given... Um, Given how internet capacity works, a compute, AWS, Google Cloud, those things, right. like you can just take on more capacity. Okay. Yeah. June 2021, they acquired Crash 45, another like sort of vertically focused um, classified company. Crash 45 mm-hmm. had raised five million from Frontier Car Group. Shout out CJ. So. <laughs> OLX has acquired, OLX, OLX acquired, OLX acquired, this was interesting. So OLX had acquired Crash 45 from FCG in 2020, and then they acquired it. <laughs> From OLX. So OLX was, again, getting out of all of these complicated. businesses that they're not interested in at all. Um, right. Very complicated tra- transactions. Yeah. The thing about Cast 5 and why I highlighted this is 
it's a bit different from um, the typical classifieds. Very according good. to, I'm going to read this quote. According to GGCFO, um, Cars 45's key value is a network of inspection centers where cars are inspected on more than 200 parameters. Unlike a classifieds marketplace where checks are inadequately carried out, transactional models employed by platforms like Cars 45 ensure quality checks and detailed reports on a car's condition with various databases. So you buy a car on Cars 45, somebody's looked at it. Or you see a listing on Cars 45, you know somebody's looked at it versus Bankly just listing a random car, so is just going to buy a lemon, um, which is interesting. It, it makes a ton of sense. If you already have the horizontal play, the horizontal play is just about like volume, volume, volume. Quality is less of a, a problem. But yeah. if you want to do this, you add the vertical play, so you then have the, the checks, so you have more of a quality bar for those cars, yeah. and you still have the, the volume from, yeah. from the other place. So it makes sense. Also, I guess they're more likely to get in the transactional flow and get some money yeah. through both parties. So both parties don't need to complete the transaction offline. So it yeah. makes sense. Also, it looks like they got it for really, really cheap. I saw some rumors of like single digit millions, which is unbelievable, um, which is After, a great deal. That, yeah, it raised $5 million at some point, right? Yeah, they, they raised $5 million, which means the valuation was 10, 15, 20, 25. They got it for $3 million, which is awesome. Yeah. 80% yeah. loss in value, but hey, it's the game. Yeah. So. In February two, they bought Tonaton in Ghana, their main competitor as well. Yes, um, saw that. It was pretty cool. So now they hold leadership positions in Ghana and Kenya, Uganda and Tanzania. And I'm like, wow, this is this is good. They're doing it. They're doing it. They're, they're, doing, they're, doing they're going it. the opposite direction. Um, Slow and steady. Yeah, Slow and steady. Down and, and, and they're growing. And we didn't see the the rumored uh, acquisition price, but based on what they did in 2021 with Cars 45, I bet you what they did in 2022 cheap. February was also cheap. So it's yeah, also the only almost, buyer, right? They're the only buyer. Who else is going to buy it? Yeah, no one. No one. Will be. And when there is uh, only one person interested, there's no ne- negotiation pressure to move up the yeah. price. And for context, Tonaton, if, if that's how it's pronounced, is owned by Who knows? another another consolidator, another conglomerate, if you will, a Swedish startup called Tota Technologies that owns a bunch of these. Mm. Um, these classifies businesses across the world. So basically, another like Naspers OLX, not clone, lookalike, um, mm. that owns something in Bangladesh, something in in emerging markets, and oh, this just whole classified business is just like, as well. It's just so like it's very very complicated. Different businesses owning different parts of different businesses, spinning them out, selling. I think now that we're in 2022 May, the story is way simpler for Africa. Basically, for Africa. There's only one player, <laughs> and it's only GG. It's just like to, to get to that point. So for the audience, in case you're a little bit confused, find it hard to follow, it was complicated. But for the sake of an Africa tech podcast, really now there's just one, one player. And the story is like their competitors are going to come from outside of classifieds because they're not yeah. there. It's hard to imagine a player now that's going to say, oh, let me go against GG. Dude, they're in five countries. They've been here for nine years. Like better do another orthogonal business and try to catch them, but don't try to do the same model. So yeah, very complicated, but really very simple in 2022. Yeah. In the US, offer up and let go have been honestly trying to chip away at Craigslist dominance for a long time. And they are very well funded, both of them, NASPER, SoftBank, ATC. But they just haven't made that much traction. How you know is that they haven't gone public yet. <laughs> they haven't made that much traction compared to Craigslist. Again, given the different business models and given the size and growth expected. It's just the the it's very difficult to change customer behavior. And I think that that density, that depth of of marketplace matters a lot more. Like if I'm in a small town in the US. Mm. I know that there will be listings on Craigslist. I don't know if OfferUp is active. OfferUp is active. It's great in Seattle. I've sold stuff on OfferUp in Seattle before, but nice. they're also headquartered in Seattle. So it's probably just a oh. other, other OfferUp employees, right? Um, <laughs> I, got I don't know if that's true in, like, small, in small towns, for example. So that's sort of my my big um, question. Wow. 
Okay, so I'm going to talk about product and monetization strategy. Yeah. Um, product strategy over time. So it's basically evolved. They were basically a horizontal player that offered a bunch of different things. So here are the things they offer. Fascinating. GG cars. You can get new cars and get used car- cars. GG phones, a bunch of smartphones. GG fashion. So you can get different types of clothes and outfit. GG health. You can get makeup. GG houses. You, you, you get, you get the, the, the gist. But now they've started to also have some verticalized marketplace within their business. So after they bought Cars 45, mm-hmm. they can now focus on offering more in that car vertical. So now they're going both horizontal and, and vertical, which is interesting. I guess it gives them more optionality, more ways to make money. It just makes sense, especially because they bought those players for, for, for cheap. So that's their general product strategy yeah. over time. UX and design. Um, I mean, okay, if, for, for the audience, so here's the ranking, if everyone remembers. So ugliest app, Chipper Cash and Opay. Super ugly. Okay. <laughs> Most attractive app, Cuda Bank. So that's the UX. That's the UX rankings. Now, UX rankings for, for websites. Ugliest website, Telecom South Africa. Most Whoa. attractive website, Paystack. So unfortunately, Gigi is not the ugliest website. So they've taken over <laughs> from Telecom South Africa. Their app wasn't too bad, actually. It's, it's is somewhere Craigslist in the middle. Ugly? Is Craigslist ugly as a website? Craigslist is super ugly. Craigslist has had no meaningful UX beautification for 20 years. Okay. So it's super ugly, but it's still better than Gigi's I website. I think Gigi would take that as a compliment then. <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel like now if I were in Gigi, I'd be like, that's cool. He also thinks Craigslist is ugly. If you can be as yeah. ugly as Craigslist, we've won. Like that's exactly yeah. what they would tell you. They, they are now the new champion for ugliest website. However, I'm sure if they're listening to this, they'll say we get 80, 90% of our traffic from the mobile exactly. app. So I don't think it what matters do what the exactly. desktop looks like. Yeah, but I was just a man. It was not, not attractive. However, okay, so UX is not just about appearance. UX is about the user journey, the funnel, people going through that from what i saw it matches enough with similar classified websites that it probably has the same funnel characteristics yeah. drop-offs one other thing to know about their product strategies they claim i don't know if this is marketing bullshit mm-hmm. but they claim they have less than one percent fraud which is which is which is wow. great if it's true wow. and they, they said that they think they have the lowest fraud rates of any um classifieds business in in africa i don't even know if they said in, in emerging markets in africa they would because they're the only ones at this stage so cool Product strategy. I'm going to talk about monetization yeah. unless you had some thoughts on the product piece. No. One thing that maybe we'll talk about in the end is if mm. I think about OLX in these markets, given this product strategy, how mm. much of it was, you know, OLX is like Nigeria sucks or classifies that Nigeria sucks, which is like a unique thing versus like Nigeria is just a hard place to do business in. Naspers mm. wants none of it, basically. Mm. Or classifieds is a is it bad business because they're out of classifieds, even in the other markets, right? I can't so how much of it? How much this. of it is those markets, and how much of it is the classifieds, the horizontal classifieds business? Because they're not doing that either. Mm. Yes. So we can't take a person on Nigeria. That's exactly where we're going to land. Okay, so monetization strategy is very simple. They make money two different ways. One is promotional listings. Second one is transactional fees. Promotional listings is like sellers pay and then their listings go to the top, basically promoted listings. For the audience, think about it like search ads. When you search for something, it's at the top of Bing. Um, so one cool thing is on the website, Gigi says paid ads, aka the promo ads, can lead to 5x more exposure. I was like, okay. Sounds like marketing rhetoric to me, whatever. So that's the first primary way. Oh Second way they make money is transactional revenue, which basically means they take a cut of transactions on the site. So GMV, whatever. I think most classifieds businesses tend to not have money this way because it's off network. But now that they're doing more Cars 45, more mm-hmm. verticals, this may be something they want to do more in the future. And in fact, the CEO said, in terms of classifieds, we're already a leader in Africa. 
And I think there's limited space for whom to acquire. However, we've in, we're interested in deals like Cars 45 because it gives us ability to get in the transactional marketplace and into adjacent yeah. business models, which basically means they're trying to get more transactional revenue to supplement their core promo revenue. So let's you, see how it goes for them. You know, you know, a third way that like classifies businesses, at least in developed markets, make money, they sell leads Please. as well. Oh. So if I log into Cars 45 and I, so I'm searching for cars, um, if I'm like a car dealer, I can basically tell like the 3,000 people that are searching for cars this month, give you their phone numbers because you have all of that because they log in. It's all logged in. And then sell I the sell data. that to, That's like, really disturbing. to a car company. Hey, people sign up. It is what it's again. They're working if you're only making partners. 15 to $30 million, you got to do yeah. what you got to do for you. <laughs> yeah, you got to sell leads. It's just, I don't know how valuable those leads are. But if the leads are valuable, basically it's like, hey, I'm trying to sell these people cars on my platform. But how about I sell it to a Mercedes-Benz dealership? It's going to give them like great deals on that platform. So a lot of the site logged in users do a lot of lead selling. So you get calls and like, hey, um, I have a deal on a Mercedes-Benz thing and you're trying to get it. I was like, wow, the world is full of horrors. <laughs> um, Another way they make money, which I excluded because it tends to be smaller, is there's a seller listing fee where you actually yeah. have to pay to list. But that tends to be, because they want volume, they don't really charge that at most of their markets. It's yeah. not a thing. But I know in some other geos, there's a minor fee to list anything at all, but I left it out because it's small. So that's, I mean, that's the, the summary of the that's, product. That's how Craigslist makes money. Craigslist charges fees in some specific verticals, like jobs. Like So some specific verticals, they charge fees in them, but you want to list your cash on Craigslist, you don't right. charge. So different versions of that. Mm-hmm. Some say you can only have two listings for free. A third one will, will cost you. Um, yeah. So they, they slice and dice it different ways, but I just call it like ads on one hand, the, the minimum ads, ads on the site itself to anybody, so public ads or ads to sellers. There's also mm-hmm. like um, premium services for sellers in second big category, which is basically mm-hmm. as a seller, you get some services or you restrict some features if you don't pay. But Yes. In, in fact, um, there was one, what was the stuff I saw, which was so funny? It was called like VIP service or something. I thought it was so cool. Premium yeah, service. We, we, premium service. Y- yeah. I, but we can t- talk about that later. But um, actually, you know, let me just talk about it now. So Jumia, free. Jumia, Jumia has deals. something called Jumia Deals. Yeah. Right. And Jumia deals, when you want to put it on promo ads, the service is called VIP benefits. So it sounds very fancy, but it's basically exactly like we said earlier. It's a chance for your stuff to be higher up. But I thought it was cool the way they branded it. It had like a gold logo and shit. It was cool. Okay. So speaking of that, you want to talk about competition and exit? Yeah. Competition. One so competitor. competition, there's sort of two broad categories of competition. One is just the niche competition and the other is direct mm-hmm. competition. So mm-hmm. niche competition is, there's so many niche companies that are attacking their niches. And once you take a step back and look at the entire world of like, connecting buyers and sellers marketplace, you really realize that there's a lot of niche competition in Africa. So there's, if you think about jobs, right? There's Ring Gear Media, Bright and Monday. You know, Ring Gear, I think that's how it's pronounced. They have a portfolio of bets in Africa and this classifies as well. They've bought and sold from each other at different times. Um, Ring Gear and OLX. And they're also in Francophone Africa, which I thought was was cool. Also in Francophone Africa as well. So just great competition in like those verticals. Jobs is one. Another vertical is cars. Depending on the market, there's a bunch of different cars focused verticals in Africa as well. I think the mm. question is. So you they have, have like vertical competitors and they have horizontal competitors. Horizontal competitors, right? So the vertical competitors, like the question you have to ask is Am I more likely to search for or list my car on Craigslist versus, um, I don't know, AutoCheck? Cars.com. Yeah, cars.com or something um, mm-hmm. in the US. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, or cars and bits or common, just lots of websites like that versus mm-hmm. a niche focus size at that side. I think. The answer is it depends. I don't know. And they're clearly making different bets. Um, the one thing to highlight here is NASPERS, OLX, is making a completely opposite bet. They're not hedging. They're saying you're going to want to list it on a car's website. You're going to want to list your property on a property website. 
they don't have yeah. any horizontal play in Africa anymore. So at least in Africa, mm. the verticals is where we're going to be at. Gigi is taking a different approach and saying, we have both. We're trying to do both. We're trying to do horizontal, yes. we're trying to do vertical. And we think that we get some benefits from doing that. Yeah, and, and they're smart because they did the horizontal as part of their historical prior original business. Then a lot of the verticals were through acquisitions, which is a good way yeah. to do it. Because then you don't have the same, oh, why are we doing this vertical thing when we already have the business? They just bought Cars 45, so now they have it. And they got it for peanuts. So it sort of makes sense the way they're approaching it. Before we get into the direct competition, can it, can it scenic? Play devil advocate mm. here. Say basically, uh, you bank only macon juice and a BMAX. Just say, say with your chest. <laughs> <laughs> so, play devil's saying. advocate here. Yeah. Um, BMAC himself is, is it possible to say like the, the horizontal business is not profitable, not good, dying, whatever, anemic, whatever it is, bad? Wow, right? Wow, okay. To say that and that Gigi is doing the exact same thing that OLX is doing. But it can't do it as quickly because, you know, small business and funded. And they're really also trying to get out or reduce investments in horizontal class business. That's one way to look at it, right? What, what would you say to that? That's one way to read no, no. leaves. P- please clarify. Right at the end, I lost you. You're saying Gigi's business is bad? Is that what you're no, saying? No, I'm saying one point of view is somebody, somebody could say like, hey, Gigi uh-huh. and OLX actually do agree that horizontal verticals, horizontal classifieds actually not a great thing. Hmm. And they are actually doing the same thing, which is to get into verticals, right? Mm-hmm. Except that OLX is Naspers, which has infinite money. Oh, I understand. I understand the question. And yes, they can yes, take yes. a bet. But these guys have to do it gradually because, you know, they have to take capital. They have to like, <laughs> do the stuff. Game. But they're, it's the game. They're trying to get yeah. out of this stuff, man. This horizontal classifies. It's like underinvest in it and like buy stuff for scraps. You know, say we're in five countries to fundraise. But then like Cross 45 is the future. That's where we got to get to, right? And we got to get into more yeah. verticals. Because this other stuff we have... Naspers and OLX are onto something. We need to do the exact same thing they're doing. It, it's fascinating. I, I um, My thoughts on this are, would I rather be GG and have both businesses, both horizontal and vertical, or would I rather just say vertical is the core of it, let me just do vertical? Yeah. I think I would rather be GG because there's something in my mind about if you're the only person offering horizontal, you've been there the longest, you have the most experience, you have the biggest brand yeah. name and you're in so the markets they're in yeah. are so good. Like they're in Nigeria and Kenya and Uganda. Obviously, they're not in North yeah. Africa and South Africa. There's just something about like if you already have the same power for eight years, yeah. you might as well have the same power for another eight years. The market may eventually blossom. And I would prefer to be horizontal and see the data points. Oh, this vertical is growing. Let's double down. Then just be you've already picked a vertical and then the vertical doesn't end up being good. Then you're completely screwed. So I would prefer GG's, but that's only because of the nature yeah. of the team. If you're starting from scratch now, that's different. But they're already in it, right? What do they have to lose? Is the, it's like yeah, um, lose start, money, start from- lose money, lose money investing a dollar to get 90 cents each time. They spend a dollar on horizontal classifieds. That's what they have to lose. It's funny you should say that because they bought Cars 45 for scrap. So if the business was so good, why did Cars 45 sell? You may not be, maybe your numbers aren't quite accurate. That's fair. Cars 45 was vertical, but they sold. So clearly something wasn't right. That's fair. That's fair. And and then the the exec team, they left Cars 45 to join AutoCheck. AutoCheck has only raised, I think, single digit million. So even though they're, I mean, they're doing well, but they're not, they're not as big as Gigi. Obviously, Gigi is bigger than them. So there's maybe there's still some value there. It's just like, it's really hard to tell without looking at the profitability numbers. Revenue is only top line. You have to let it flow all the way down. That, that's a possibility. What, what, what are your, your thoughts on it? You didn't give your own opinion. I, I, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I actually yeah. don't have, I don't have a strong, I don't have a strong informed opinion. I don't know. I think it's hard to say. Yeah. And I, because what, yeah. what I'm, what, I'm much, more, what I'm much more amenable to is the fact that maybe they both agree that they can 
run a vertical business better. Um, because I think what I don't want us to agree on is that horizontal classifies are a tough business or a bad business or a good business. Either way, it's like it's just hard to say because they may be yeah, it, em- they might be employing the same strategy, but it's just that one can employ it quicker than the other. Yeah, it, it's it's also that um. It, 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 let's say we don't want to use our intelligence at all. Let's just look at other development markets. It's worked in Brazil. It's worked in India. It's worked in Pakistan. It's worked in Russia. It's somehow working everywhere else. Like, is it, yeah. there's nothing, like, yeah. it should That's work. Fair. Now, obviously, there's some nuance of the actual team, the strategy, the timing, the funds, That's but it, it's somehow, like, like, there's nothing magical because it, it, the, the business model isn't that different. It's literally the same website. So it, yeah. I, I'm much more optimistic because I, I don't I don't see a case in ten years why for some reason only one continent it wouldn't be successful in. Obviously, if we're comparing to developed markets, I'll be much more hesitant. But if you combine Brazil, India, Pakistan, Russia, I think you Bangladesh, see they have an like literally just yeah, a bunch exactly. of every emerging market has it. It, a it big sort of seems to work, and they don't have player. any competitors. Um, yeah. Anyway, I guess that's the same argument people okay. could give about about Jumia. Yeah. Um, okay, so competitors, I have a list. I'll go through very, very quickly. So in Nigeria, which is their yeah. biggest market, old list, which I thought it shut down from open. Yeah, I found you it as well. I know, I found it. I, 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 like, thought, I thought they shut it down. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure they have low market share, but who knows? I don't have the numbers. In, um, let's do Kenya, one of the biggest markets. They have something called Key Buy Sell, K-E Buy Sell, which yeah. kept on coming up in a bunch of the lists, probably has lower market share. And then in Ghana, because they bought Tonazon, it seems they don't have any major competitors. So we yeah. don't have all the full numbers, but it seems in these three markets, at least, they're by far the biggest player. It seems that in that way too. It seems I did find if you go to Craigslist, Craigslist does have some Africa locations, but I couldn't find any listings. Craigslist, Cape Town, Durban, Egypt, Ethiopia, Johannesburg, Kenya, Morocco, Pretoria. But with no listings. I didn't find any exist. listings in Cape Town. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have any listings. Did, did you use a VPN? You don't I, need a VPN. You can see I didn't, listings. No, you can just see. I didn't see any listings yeah. in Cape Town, yeah. but I wasn't going to go so, to So that's it. What else do you need to know if they don't have any listings? Oh, no, it wasn't Cape Town. It was Accra. It was Accra. Accra Craigslist. Okay, I didn't no, find any, no, no listings. I didn't find okay, any. but yeah, wow. yeah. So let's let's talk okay. about how they exit, right? I I yes. don't. One framework to look at how they exit is to look at like, is there a public classifieds company? It's one framework. Like, has it been done before, right. or right. would they get acquired as other things? I think that both are actually likely because it's a super acquisitory space, um, where people actually acquire growth. People on on a nonstop basis. Okay. It's happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like all the time. Like they might get acquired yeah. like next week, for all we know. Um, <laughs> this this episode will get a lot of downloads of that. Happens. I know, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that could happen. It's getting acquired by a major player, and there's a there's a bunch of them because even outside of Naspers and Orlex, there's just a number of like very well funded, um, yes. consolidation consolidating different classified businesses globally that will be interested in acquiring like a foothold in Africa and will pay a very nice premium over whatever valuation there is. That same, I I feel the same way, and I guess because there are good examples of multiples on emerging markets, it wouldn't be such a leap of faith you'd be like oh yeah. olx brazil was bought for this multiple over revenues yeah. OLX, so you just use the same revenue Mr. multiple Pumps. and buy it out it's just i think if i were the leadership team of gg i would wait a little bit for the markets to grow and then sell if you sell now it's sort of like maybe we miscalculated on the revenue side but i don't think i don't think they'll be satisfied what they'll get for it because they haven't yet hit the growth trajectory they expect it depends yeah. on how badly they need the cash I may, or so. maybe they go ahead all the way to uh to an ipo right maybe but i doubt it yeah, I doubt it. Don't I doubt think it. They because they have, they have so, so many potential acquirers. Why would you go through the stress of an IPO? That's true. I mean, they wanna they wanna yeah. be like they wanna be the Africa king. They wanna be the Africa classifieds king. 
go up. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, f- I feel like they have a they have a very very long way to go. All the stuff we're talking about is maybe five to ten years out. The only way they would sell now is if they were just tired. Like eight years. I live in Ukraine. Yeah. I'm tired of this shit. Genesis I'm going to just money back. Yeah, know. just be done. But if they really wanted to wait, they would basically they would do exactly what who, who should we pick? Yeah, they would do what Jumia would have done. If not for the fact that Jumia had good timing, good market, and good momentum, it would have made more sense for them to wait. But Jumia's strategy was the best. Our brand is strong. The market is good now. Do it. They raised. Yeah. They went public. But now everything is and turned in the market. So GG is not the dollar stock price, bro. That was a yes. fun ride. Yes. Yes. I know yes. so many people that went up all the way up and came with it all the way down. Yes. I, I was in. A, I was on a call the other day where someone was like, "Oh, I know a lot of people that lost money in Dogecoin." I'm like, um, <laughs> "People that lost money in Dogecoin." I guess they knew they were taking a highly risky bet. Yeah, so I don't, they shouldn't be surprised. Like, like it's not like if it went up by 14x, of course, it can always go down by 14x. Are they are they sad? You shouldn't it's be sad. It started up when people was like, oh, Jumia was the Amazon of Africa. I was like, all right, cool. It's like, no, Jumia is the Amazon and PayPal of Africa. I'm like, all right, chill. Like, Slow Amazon down. is not even the PayPal of the US. Like, chill. PayPal <laughs> is the PayPal of the US. Amazon um, Pay. I use it a bit. Amazon Pay wasn't wasn't the shit. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, so I feel close? like the, the when people are excited, people are really, really excited, and that's a yes. It's a common theme. I think now it's in twenty twenty two, the markets are way less excited. Yes, it's um. I I don't ask me why because maybe I'm I'm nerdish, but I study the history of boom boom and busts a lot, and um, it's always a history, funny. A history of the United States in five crashes. No, I would love to. Read I will. That. I will. I will send it to you. Consider that a gift from me to you. I will send you yes. the book. Yes, but but I don't read physical books. Just do give me an ebook. Send me the ebook. I have no On time Kindle? for physical books. Yeah, Kindle, obviously. Okay, I'll send it to maybe, you. Maybe you can even like, maybe you can even like just loan it. You don't even have to pay because you already have it. They have that loan feature, right? I don't think If Kindle you have the does. book, you can give it to them for 17 days or 14 I days. I have a physical copy of the book. Okay, well, you have forget about it. Stuff. Sorry. But anyway, I, I'm intrigued by why, by how surprised people are every time there's a market correction. Because for me, it's like standard. Every five to 10 years, you just expect a market correction. So I'm not even, yeah. it's just like, it's all part of capitalism. But people are always really freaked out, which is hard for me to understand. It's, it's also, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Because I, I guess I was saying, maybe I guess human psychology, even though it's expected, each time it's slightly different. So they have a new sort of fear, yeah. even though the outcome is the same. But for me, it's just like, yeah, it goes down. I don't give a shit, whatever. It's it's also, the other thing that's interesting is also how like people get make it very good. It's never that good or very bad. It's never that bad. I saw an article the other day about, is Twilio just Coinbase a Coinbase is going out of business. No, I mean, that's even like different. But like, is Twilio just a compensation scheme for its management and employees? Like, Twilio? Those guys are... <laughs> Like that's not even like that's a real like that's that's harsh. That's harsh. (laughs) Like Twilio is not one of those companies. Like was it a repeatable news source though? Yes. I guess that's a question. Yes. Like Like an actual repeatable news source. Yes. Somebody that I respect. It's like Twilio is just a compensation scheme for management. I was like, what? That's funny. Don't say that. Um, But yeah, I'll post a link to this in the show notes. Um, I think it's just the way things go up and down uh, in the market. Um, Which is it's it's okay for things to be. High beta, I think people was like, oh, if it goes down, that means it's going to zero. And if it goes up, it means it's going to the moon. There's never really any moderation <laughs> in, in, in the market commentary. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So we're me. finally going to wrap. God, that was yeah. insane. You want me to go or you want to go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Mine is long as shit. Let me just prepare okay. you. So I have one, two, three. I have four sections. Actually, I have three sections. So I'm going to talk about consumers, uh, bear case, and bull case. So just three nice. sections. Consumers is super easy. Let's make that short. Winning all day. They have so many different options. Um, 
if I were a consumer trying to buy, let's say, shoes, purses, bags, mm-hmm. get a job, it's amazing that I can use Gigi, I can use Jumia, I can use mm-hmm. Conga, I can use Facebook, WhatsApp. And so it's, it's fascinating. I am still partially concerned yeah. about like the prices never seem that low considering the options. Um, so maybe at some point we'll see actual really, really low prices. So for example, I went on Gigi and I looked up some of the phones. I'm like, oh my God, 44,000, yeah. 56. This is Naira for the audience, not dollars. Yeah. But anyway, so very happy for, for, for the customers. Hopefully there are more things that actually make the, the prices go down. Because yeah. one thing is have optionality and other things actually have lower prices. So hopefully you can have both. Okay, one easy, thing, one thing, One thing that I, that is in my conclusion I just talked about here is because of that transition, you're finding customers are being served better by these verticals. So these horizontal things kind of like, they're good for a couch and they're good for a phone and they're okay for a thing. But if you have a car thing, you need a 200 point inspection test, right? So the customers are not are just getting served better because of the competition. Um, and then they focus on verticals. So it's easier to buy and sell a car in South Africa, to buy and sell a car in South Africa using AutoTrader or on AutoCheck versus it's on Gigi.com. And that's intentional. It's like Gigi about cars 45. Is that like customers are then getting like way better service as a result yes. of, of this this entire like product line. Yeah, it, it's such a it's such a recurring theme on affordability. In fact, at some point I may just take out this consumer's part. Because I think apart from was it stock trading? i it always says to me there was one where they were really screwing no, the lending. customers. I forget Olumde what doesn't like lending. It was lending. Oh Olumde my does, god. Olumde, Olumde no, 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 it was gambling. It was gambling. No, it was gambling. It was gambling. Gambling was one where they were actually screwing the consumers. Olumide has no um, vices, guys. Let's stay on topic. Let's stay on topic. Okay, okay. So the second thing is the uh, bear case. The bear case, I was going to talk about this in the competition section, but I'm just going to say it now at the end. So, um, so there's a fundamental issue. Gigi has a fundamental vulnerability, which is the same vulnerability that affects Jumi and Conga. So let me take a step back. African users, they didn't migrate from desktop e-commerce to mobile e-commerce. No. In America, there was a quick migration, right? I am doing all these things on the internet. I'm not doing it on my phone. My desktop's simple. But here, social media entrenched itself so deeply that the biggest problem, this is take a lot of episodes, this is a Jumia episode, is that a lot of users now are saying, let me sell my hair, my watch on Instagram, on WhatsApp, which means the biggest problem for Gigi is, can there be a situation where WhatsApp shops, Instagram shops, Facebook shops, whatever the hell actually comes and people want to buy it that way? In which case, they don't even need, they don't need uh, um, um, what, what do we call it? Classifieds. That's, That's the fundamental point. problem. That's a good point. So uh, you're saying that it is possible that classifieds work because e-commerce works. And because e-commerce doesn't work, at least as of now, um, maybe classifieds actually, yeah, maybe classifieds exactly. actually like a, online classifieds actually like a dead in the water business model because it could be. e-commerce because is struggling. Because it's the same use case. Think about it. Let's say um, I won't watch you pick It's e-commerce by another name. And you're like, and exactly. we already know e-commerce doesn't work, so why are we doing this? Maybe that's what Naspers and Bob and Bob Van Dyke. It, 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 it's also because this is this is something that doesn't happen in America as much. But I was very surprised by like people have all these little shops and stores. And by the way, it's worse than what I said. Let's leave Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram to the side. Paystack and Flutterwave. There's Paystack Commerce. There's Flutterwave Store. Even the payment providers now have ways for you to sell stuff. So it's almost like, yeah, if you're going to sell something on Gigi. Why not just put on Instagram yeah, or WhatsApp or, or Paystack? And they're not just for small people. Even larger businesses are on Flutterwave Store and Paystack. So uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's all bad, but the bear case is basically that a combination of the payment infrastructure providers and social commerce covers a lot of the ground and makes it such that people don't actually go to GG as a place yeah. to find stuff. Um, it's fascinating. So, so that's the bear case. In to your early point as, well, you worked in Brazil, you worked in, you know, Russia. Well, those some other things also works in those markets. Maybe that's Correct. why you work there. 
I mean, yes. it work here, but that's a that's a great point. Right, and, and, and social social commerce wasn't yet embedded in those markets the same way it's embedded here. Like, so for, for example, let's pick let's pick uh, Brazil. So yeah. I'm sure some people sell things on Instagram and WhatsApp in Brazil, but by the time they were selling things, the yeah. the level of progress for classifieds wasn't yet the level of progress here. Yeah. Because think think about it, you always comparing it to the same time scale. Yeah. Right now, 2022 May, I want to sell hair. Right. I'm going yeah. to look at Gigi. I'm going to look at Instagram. I might as well pick Instagram. But in Brazil, OLX Brazil is already way bigger. So I'm going to pick OLX Brazil. That's different. Okay. So that's a bare case. We don't need to beat that to death. Bull case is basically the, the opposite. Right. Some of the things you want to sell on Gigi, they may not be available to sell properly on Facebook, WhatsApp, mm. and PayStack. So let's say cars. Right. So maybe. Maybe Gigi's in enough vertical places where it doesn't matter that the payment providers are doing this because there's just some verticals that work better in a marketplace context. And those oh. verticals tend to give them a lot of money. Oh, like, are you really maybe, going to sell your hair on, with Flutterwave Store no, or PayStyle well, Commerce? Maybe, 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 or maybe the thesis is different, right? It depends on how commerce evolves. Is commerce thousands of small, um, small mom and pop sellers, which is I sell hair. So I have a mm-hmm. lot of like hair. I have 20, you know, SKUs I'm selling at any point in time, mm-hmm. I have 10 SKUs. Or I'm selling my iPhone because I'm upgrading to the new iPhone. So I feel like one lends itself way more to Gigi. The other lends itself way more to social commerce. Um, right. So it's more like, am I an entrepreneur, which is like, I just sell chargers or I sell laptops and I have 10 laptops for sale or I have five laptops or am I just selling my old Apple Watch and then I'm getting rid of my old laptop. And like, mm. so maybe th- maybe that's part of the bull case. Is like, if you think the market skews, you think that second market is bigger, that there's a lot of reuse in markets. There's a lot of, yes. that tends to happen when people get wealthy. People aren't getting wealthy. People are buying new stuff when they get getting wealthier. When right. average economic wealth is increasing, you know, I have a new job, I get a new laptop. I have a new job, move to a new apartment, I get a new couch, I sell my old couch. Um, when there's like stage of life things, which is what drives Craigslist, like college towns and Craigslist is popping off in college towns. Um, I, we don't see it that much. There's not that much in Nigeria uh, or yeah. many African countries. Maybe that's the part of the depending depending on what you think that's about definitely. That. That's definitely part of the book. Okay, so let, let's see how it evolves. Because for all we know, if we look at Gigi's revenues today, let's say most of the revenues are from homes, jobs, and cars. Well, are you going to buy a home on Paystack, uh, Commerce, Floodwave Store, Instagram? Probably, Probably not. not. Are you going to look for a job on Paystack Commerce? What the hell doesn't support that? Are you going to look for a job on WhatsApp? So, so maybe by luck, the revenues and the vertical places are places that just don't fit social commerce and evolves that way. Maybe they'll actually be fine. Fascinating. Another, another part of the bull case is because they have such good staying power, they've stayed for so long, and because they have a way to attract um, investors that are atypical, maybe a combination of those things maybe means they just have more staying power to actually ride this out to a successful outcome. Who knows? Let's see how it goes. That's the bull case. That's the bear case. So my, my summary is very simple. I have three different scenarios. So if Gigi's valuation is less than 100 million, I'm 90% on the positive bull case, 10% on the negative bear case. Because if their valuation is actually below 100 million, I believe a lot in the company. If the valuation is between 100 million and 250, eh, 60% positive bull case, 40% bear case, it then becomes a little bit expensive based on the revenue calculations we did before. If their valuation is above 250 million, then yeah, 30% positive bull case, 70% negative case. It starts to get to a point where I don't know because everything about my view on bear case and bull case is based on the price. There is no price. Every price has a different thing. So those are my three different scenarios. Obviously, I don't know the valuation. Let's see where it goes. But overall, I, I like the fact the founder is committed and patient. I like what they're doing. I'm just a little bit concerned about orthogonal indirect competitors. So let's see how it goes in the future. I wish them the best of luck. I would even, I would, you know, as maybe part of my summary is the the price, the price, the price part is a very, mm-hmm. um, 
It's a very like it's a very salient point because if you look at a business, many of these tech startups are in Africa today. Not many are revenue mm-hmm. generating. Mm-hmm. Definitely not many of them are in the double digit revenue range. Oh right? yeah, definitely not. Right. So you end up in a situation where, like this is actually like could be spitting cash at some level or top scale. Um, yes. Whatever that is, even if it's not fifteen, even if it's five or eight million dollars, just many businesses. Yeah. There are many businesses yeah, a hundred million dollars that don't have eight million dollars in revenue. Yeah. In revenue. Also, it was a range. We said fifteen to thirty. So thirty. That's why I said if the valuation is less than a hundred million, I'm ninety percent of the positive bull case. That's three x multiple. I'd pay a three x multiple for this. Well, why not? Not the best business in the world, but if it gets above two fifty, let's say the valuation is five hundred, six hundred million. Count me the fuck out. Like leave yeah. that to other people. I have zero interest in that. You, you that's like fifty x revenue multiple. I, I don't get involved in stuff like that. Hmm. Especially not, not for a business like this. The business still has um, still has a long way to prove itself. So 50, 70x multiple is, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't get involved. It's, it's not a yeah. fit for me. Maybe but other given, investors. Given that it's the same investors and it's, the instinct is to mark up. I don't know. I didn't want to speak. <laughs> um, okay. So, you want to give your summary yeah, before we go for the tangent? Yeah, before we go for the tangent. My summary is one is from maybe about the consumers or just like the maturity of the African tech market yes. is that we are, we are, we're seeing a transition in real time now from lift and shift business models, um, uh, which was big. We talked about this in Patao and, and Gokada to getting down to these like super interesting niches. Um, mm. So customers are not getting, so even as a user, they're getting very different things. Um, and it's easy to not notice when that's happening, but it's actually happening. I, one example I always give that my, my, my very first day in the US, I landed, had a headache. No. I had a, I went to CVS. Um, sidebar. I went to CVS to get like a headache, like Panadol, right? So you get Legos. Yeah, yeah. And I go to yeah. CVS and I, you know, and I go to the, like, it's a science headache and I go to the aisle and it's like, oh my God, there's like 20 different kinds of drugs. It's like, oh yeah. Headache, back headache, migraine. Oh, mild everything. Migraine. It's just red, yellow, blue, green, morning, evening, yeah. light, heavy. Yeah. <laughs> like drowsy, non-drowsy. And I was just confused, <laughs> right? And I think that's where you get like served much more f- narrowly, much more focused because it's very profitable. And it's happening now that African customers are getting like super niche solutions. So you don't have to take a poor solution for buying and selling a car. You can take a great solution buying and selling a car or a house right now uh, for Craigslist. So I think that's just one thing that like many developed markets customers are used to. Like if you have a if you have a pain, it's like, is it throbbing? You know, is it is it cut? And then you take the right <laughs> drug for it. Um, right. And that's like one of the weird, th- weird pieces there that I'm just happy for the c- customers there. Second thing here is about like, Consolidation and acquisition. We don't see a lot of this in other verticals. Uh, Very rarely. People working with like these startups trying to get them to buy, like even the well-funded ones. To just buy up a computer and get the engineers, like it's cheaper. Like yeah. <laughs> it's honestly cheaper. Just but it's also an, an ego thing. Do you want to be the CEO and then you become a senior product manager? Most yeah. people, their egos can't take that because you're not going to be the CEO in the second company. There's only one CEO, and in fact, you may not even be on the C team. So it's it's hard. I, also I don't blame think, them. Yeah, but. But I, I, I think that African startups can see a lot more consolidation. They will just destroy way less value. Yes, um, yes. It's, it's also because they have to pitch it the right way. They don't pitch, oh, you're not going to be a VP or CEO. But like, oh, you're going to t- take uh, $1 million. But like, oh, yeah. yeah, fuck. I'll be the yeah. VP. I'll keep my $1 million. Not yeah. even $1 because 600 Naira. It's like 500K. That's a lot of money in, in Naira. So yeah. it, it makes sense. It's just if you start to go that way, then you have to have a lot of money to give out. <laughs> Better These just guys, give them equity and give them actual cash. These guys are so. pretty honest about their acquisition. There's literally like five companies in classifieds. I mean, there's Rome and then there's mm-hmm. there's Saltside up until recently and then there's Olex and then there's Gigi. Mm-hmm. And they just buy and, and sell from each other at different times. Like yeah. right? They just they just they just they just buy and sell from each other at different times. Like right. Property yeah. twenty four acquired private property, which was funded by Tiger Global like way back. 
We need like a graph for this. We, stuff. we like honestly need like of one, of those, one of those yeah. inf- infographics, right? Yeah. Private property used to be owned by Rome, South Africa, Nigeria. It's like, so it's just all over the place, right? Mm. But these industry, unlike the rest of Africa tech, if you can call this tech, these guys know that like, we're here to be bought and sold. <laughs> so they are always buying and selling and I don't know. We're ready. We're ready, we're ready. to be bought and sold. There's not yeah. a lot of... Um, uh, and there's like a standardized revenue multiple that you can use for the emerging markets. Yeah. Unlike, let's see, who should we pick on? We always pick on the same companies. Let's pick, okay, let, let's pick Paga. What's the multiple for Paga? No one fucking knows. Like Paga says, okay, there is sort of like PayPal. But like, what is the emerging market multiple for an agency banking Paga play? It's You have to say, is it Bcash? Hell no, because yeah. Bcash is sort of a monopoly. So, it's sort of, this business is ripe for M&A. Because other, we can pick a bunch of different examples. Like, what's going to be the multiple use? What's the revenue? What's the comparable? But this is literally, they're doing the same business as yeah. everyone else. I'll be I'll be pleased if a lot of these fintech guys um, merge. Because that would be hopefully better service for customers. Just giving Vixie Capital know how they have to grow. Um, but I just... If, just you, so if you had to pick... If, if you had to pick, uh, who are the I two knew. companies? I was going to ask you that question. I'm not going to say if, anything. I don't no, know. No, but this is just like two companies you think should merge. You just pick. It's not It's not even controversial. Okay, maybe let, their let, businesses let, are... Maybe pick some sectors. I think there's a bunch oh, of sectors. Agent, agent, agent banking that should merge. Okay, but like, what are the names? Why are you going to say with your chest? I don't know. I don't know enough about them to so suggest that they should merge. You know, you know about, about, we've done all the agency banking what companies. What about geographical concentration? About? Only I don't know who should merge. Okay. They should, they should meet each other in Grey Matter or at Social Liga, wherever they meet. And they should discuss their mergers. Um, yeah. I will say I will say that like you can't look at all of Africa Tech and look at like all the API companies and like they kind of all win. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if measure is the answer, but there's definitely like are they like revenge in the world, burning capital, going different paths, or do they have different visions about the future? Like is there mm-hmm. separation justified? I just think there's room for a lot more. Can I build a bigger business? Like Google deciding to not bid up for WhatsApp because Google was in oh, the don't running. Get me started and on it was that. like, and it was like, oh, it's two billion dollars more than Max. And like they wanted to sell to Google, but like Google just didn't pay up. And then somebody was just yeah. like, we'll give you all the money, we'll give you two board seats or yeah. one board okay. seat. But you are stuff. talking about public companies though. Private companies deals are always a little bit weird. Uh, so for people who haven't heard, so Uber almost bought Lyft. And the drama of this. It's sort of like, what do you want to do? What's the multiple, the revenue, the and then the board seat? And then you have to get the investors on because if an investor owns 14% of your company and it's going to own 4% of the combined company, who's going to get the board seats and on and on? Private companies tend to be a little bit wonkier, but I agree that it's You know why? You know why they're wonkier? Ego, right? Yes, of course. And and it takes a lot of person to look at the bigger pie. Of, That's why well, you have to give I them to, cash. You have to cash. give them, you have to give them something, whatever it is, yeah. cash, titles, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, but it's just we're, we're not... all co CEOs. So yeah. it's one of the worst things ever. Yeah. How many CEOs do you have? Four. Anyways. Anyway, so that's okay, that's, so, a, that's a summary. So one, just African tech market becoming more mature, customers enjoying way more. Mm-hmm. Second, about consolidation, um, and why this industry is just ahead of the rest of Africa tech in consolidation, and why we, at least I as a consumer, would like to see way more consolidation um, in Africa tech. And maybe it's early for that. Maybe everybody still thinks they can win, but it's almost mm-hmm. even clear to me that like Uber plus Lyft now, it wasn't about winning. It was just like, look, we can build a better business, like DoorDash and Postmates. Although that's Postmates, Uber buying Postmates. It's like, we can build a better delivery business if we're together, mm. right? And I will pay up for that privilege um, to be together yeah. and to have a, a, a smaller piece of a much, much bigger pie. And mm. I think Africa Tech is in small pieces of small pies and everybody just stabbing each other on the back over what? Basically. Mm. I, you're talking specifically about fintechs. I'm talking specifically about Africa Tech. 
Och låt mig det. Okej, okay. save your chest. Okej, okay. please, what's your summary? Okej, recommendations are small wins. Dodge the trap. Okej, okay, so your summary is done. Okej, okay, um, recommendations are small wins. Easy, I only have one recommendation. I watched the movie uh, Amelie, which is like a French movie from like 20 years ago. Amazing, really, really good. I'd watched it like 20 years ago, but for some reason I decided to watch it again. Highly, highly recommended. Interesting. What is it about? It's, um, how do I say without spoiling it? I would say it's about uh, a French woman and her life and her adventures around the Is it a French language movie? But, yeah, French language, but English subtitles. But it's sort of, there's something about the artistic, the way the director told the story. There's some nice artistic elements. It all, It's also very, very touching the way the characters relate to each other. Like, you learn something about a character. They're like 14 different characters, mm-hmm. obviously only one main one. Mm-hmm. But then they're all sort of interconnected. I won't say anything else. It'll be a bit of a I'll spoiler, check it out. I'll check it out. It's, it's a really, really good movie. Trust me. I have 100% recommendations I about know. movies. I You've liked all of them. I know. I have. I have. You're pretty good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have two recommendations. One is a podcast, Business Breakdowns. It's called Digital Bridge. Yes, business breakdowns. Um, Apple Podcast always says if you like affordability, you like business breakdowns. I'm like honored. I get it. I'm honored. Business breakdowns <laughs> is amazing. Like they have breakdowns yeah. of businesses and how they make money and stuff, and it's very interesting. Uh-huh. There's one called Digital Bridge, and it's like I don't know. I listened I don't know to it. I was on a long is. flight, but it's a publicly listed US company, and they build infrastructure that it supports like telecoms and internet, so data centers, oh, right, towers, okay. a bunch of stuff, and it's a very interesting business model because it's built on this the idea is very simple which is more people will need much more complicated forms of internet access for different purposes like streaming and a bunch of different things what is the nuts and bolts infra that supports that these guys build a business that builds that and they have great multiples and they have great cash and cash returns it's sort of like a publicly mm-hmm. listed pe shop so maybe forget about the business for a second but it's more that there's a thesis around like in africa i'm thinking a lot like in africa there's Internet access is increasing, like it's 6% access in 2008. I think it's 35% today. Like it's it's growing in leaps and bounds. There's a lot of infrastructure investment required to support that beyond 4G, 5G, base towers. Right. right? So when we say they're a PE shop, they're an investment company that buys our company like PO. Buys, you're invest just and operates. Like, invest and operates. Ah, think, okay. okay. So, so, so they're, they're not even, they're not an operating company. They're an investment company. Ah, Yeah, an investment that. company. So they, they raise funds, they raise capital, they oh, yeah, invest in no, on balance sheet. standard sheets. PE stuff. Same. I thought you were just saying yeah. it as a comparable. They're an actual PE company. They're an actual PE shop. They raise money, but they okay. also operate some of the things they do. So like, of they build data centers, they build a bunch of stuff. But I find it very, very like, huh, that's a crazy model. But also like, the, we have big tower companies in Africa. We have big data center companies in Africa. We don't have mm-hmm. big infrastructure companies in Africa to get to that kind of scale that combines like both. It's very capital intensive. <laughs> the infrastructure companies are the telcos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I'm, I'm anyways. If if you want to chat about the stuff, email email infrastructure or email bank infrastructure. I'm I'm exactly. very infrastructure heavy because it's 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 um it's sneakily it's sneakily um. High cash on cash. Low IRR, but incredibly high cash on cash. Yeah, and all, all I care about is cash on cash. You put five billion, you put five billion, you collect six. You understand? Nice, exactly. <laughs> take your IRR to, to, to home with um, you. Give, give me multiples. Okay, I guess the question I wanted to ask is, is it more specific than you said? Because it sounds very, very broad. No, it's more specific. Like the so they build like, so there the, are the different layers of it. So you can build the telco towers and combine them, sell them, collocate them. You can build yeah. data centers, combine them, share them, collocate them. You do the infra, you do the planning, you find the place, you do the operation. So like AWS can come and build there. You can build a bunch of partnerships with telcos to put stuff inside the telcos for the for Netflix mm. to work. You can do cables. You can do the landing points of cables and distribution. It's just like all the things that require the internet to work in Lagos wow. or in the US is actually like a, a, even in like, in any US city, it's a tight, dense web of different like, not some about infrastructure. 
And then one of the things that came up in the podcast is like, oh, how about things like Starlink? It's like, well, Starlink works with us very closely because the satellites are in the sky. They need something on the ground. Like, like that's what I mean. It's like, you just need nuts and bolts things, bit atoms on the ground to facilitate this internet thing that people keep talking about. Mm. And somebody's got to build that. And the returns on that, given the internet access and the cons- cons- consumption of the data and data heavy and all the different like trends that are up onto the right, means mm. that the infra is sort of this like infrastructure provider that can be incredibly profitable, at least has been in the US in case of- I have so many mixed feelings about infrastructure slash uh, asset heavy businesses, because on one hand, I know a lot about data centers. I know a lot about fulfillment centers. And sometimes they work when you get to scale, because it's sort of like you have that fixed cost, but it's not fixed, but you have that cost base and then you leverage it. But then sometimes I just have also the opposite opinion for different business models. So maybe for another episode, yeah. but I'm torn. Sometimes I just feel like, oh my God, you're taking on all this inventory risk and all this risk. But sometimes like if you execute the operations, it can actually yeah. be great. But it, it just seems like um, it also it's not on, for everyone. It also depends it on who way. you're selling it to, right? Like I feel mm-hmm. like the thing that is missing here, was another thing I listened to on Alternative Credit, maybe I'll put a list into the show notes. Depends on who you're selling it to and the terms of those transactions. Because if you get a good transaction term and you get like, because it's, for example, if Netflix is paying $100 million for some data center storage, from data center utility thing, you are going to get paid. <laughs> it's just like, that's already built into your return your return hurdle. You're going to get paid. They're going to pay $30 million a year to finance the thing. Like, you are going to get paid. Netflix go mm. up or down, you are going to get paid. <laughs> like, so it's yeah. like, maybe now there's less Netflix users. So maybe after five years, they, won't, they don't want to renew a contract have to find somebody else. But again, because it's diverse and because, you know, that might be capacity taken by somebody else next week. Mm. Um, it's a very interesting business mm. model. Anyways, if you can go very. down the spot, listen to the podcast. Yes, yes, okay. Second recommendation is a song by Burner Boy, Last Last. I just got into it yesterday, and it's just Last Last. Added. Yeah. You have yeah. every song you've recommended. I've loved. In this fact, one the is song actually recommended clutch. that I recommended the two weeks after. Last Last. Last Last. I'm Burner Boy. Anything Burner Boy, uh, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm okay, actually. I may go see Burner Boy in New York um, summer. I think they're doing some sort of summer show. So it was in Madison mm. Square Garden. This like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Okay, okay. Small wins, small wins. Um, two small, actually, just one small win. So I set up a, a second whiteboard okay. in my room. Norm, I, I've always had two, but when I moved, I just ended up only setting up one. But it's good to have two for different types of ideas. So it's good, it's good to have them side by side. I, yeah. I like, even though obviously I'm a techie, there's something about the physical interaction and seeing it and writing it. I think it helps for it helps the way your your brain absorbs information in a different way when you write it down and you see it versus typing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I also, I went to the church of installing like a whiteboard, but it's ah. great. Like it makes a world of difference. Um, yes. I have a whiteboard yes. right behind me, but it's important because I have okay. to clean it before calls. It's kind of weird. People are like, oh, what is BVN behind you? Like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell, tell them about the BVN and then what's in it? Like, yeah, yeah. Anyways, my, uh, my small cool. win is that it's getting to be planting season in Seattle. Yes, oh. I'm that guy gardening. Yes, um, you have a little plot. Yeah, no, it's it's a sizable plot. We're going to make take a picture. We need to send it to the mailing list, folks. Yeah, I will. I will take it when it grows. When it grows, I'll take a picture of my garden to the mailing list. It'll be exclusive. Um, join the mailing list if you're if you're here. You're definitely if you're here at this point of the podcast. You're definitely on the mailing list. Um, so the but four, yeah, four four people left. It's crazy. Join you go to a nursery. You buy seeds. It actually makes me just think about like this like second order like Maslow's hierarchy of needs things. Like it's never mm-hmm. crossed my mind to like let's grow some tomatoes. Um, but my wife is big on it, so we we've never ended on tomatoes before, but here, here we are. Here we on are. That note, we wrap it. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. So cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, topics you'd like to hear, 
or just want to say hello, please email info at afferability.com. Thanks.